welcome to Clear Horror High. Hosted by Chris Vecchio and Nikki Jack. Welcome back to Queer Horror High, where we're queer, we love horror, and we're really fucking high. I'm Chris, and I'm a queen without a pussy, according to my great aunt. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm Nikki. I wanted to come in the new year with a new tag and a new bag, Um, but I I don't have one, dude. I am just, I'm still a a spooky little slut, so... (laughs) Here we go. I mean, spooky little slut's a new one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah, a couple years ago during the the last election cycle, my aunt actually did Facebook message me that I was nothing but a queen without a pussy. <laughs> oh, to like be derogatory? Oh, absolutely. I mean, oh in her... Well, I'm not, I'm not going to say defense because she's horrible, but she had posted something... You know, when you get like a wild hair to, well, actually, I don't think it was a wild hair. I think she actually friend requested me on Facebook. This is the 2016 election, by the way, okay. 2020. And I like looked okay. at her page because me and her had always gotten along, but I knew that she was pretty conservative because she's extremely wealthy and very snobby. But she posted shit that, holy crap, I was taken aback even. Like, I, I didn't think she would have been as bad as what I saw on her Facebook. And... She posted something about, like, I think anti-trans prisoners. Like, there were, you know, something about, like, trans people trying to, you know, be looked at as their correct gender in prison. And she was, you know, and t- typical shit that a old white Republican would say. She was just not having that. Big yikes. Yeah, just the way that she phrased whatever she phrased, like wrote in her status about it was so horrible that I commented very drunk at like two in the morning. Here we go. That I'd rather suck a I'd rather suck a felon's cock than call her family. Oh! So um, that sent ripples through the family a little, just a little bit. Just a tinge. And the next morning, just 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 a smidge of uh, tension. And the next morning, I woke up to her calling me a queen without a pussy. And honestly, I reclaimed that shit immediately because that's funny. Because I was like, <laughs> is that supposed to be derogatory? Because I take that as a compliment. <laughs> Thank I'm like, you. Yeah. I think that she was trying to play off the fact that I was coming at her on an anti-trans stance that she had. So of I course. think she was trying to be like, you're just like, she was trying to tie that into the insult. But I was like, I am going to take that as a compliment because. I absolutely am fabulous. I am a queen without a pussy. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely am fucking fabulous you bitch you're still a bitch so and she is currently she is currently battling covid while unvaccinated so good luck shout out to you (laughs) (laughs) shout out to your immune system i'm not gonna drop her name because i have a little bit of class but it rhymes with beanie (laughs) so we'll we'll just leave it there there we go her name is weenie (laughs) aunt weenie fuck you (laughs) So what is the high tea? How you doing? I'm good. I'm still a working girl, working hard. Um, l- loving it. I love that I'm being productive. I'll say that. 
don't love that mm-hmm. I have to have a job, like I always say, but I love that I'm staying busy and getting shit done and taking care of business. Um, I'm smoking on some wedding cake, and it's like 30-something percent this time. This is a really good batch. Um, Indica, of course. And yesterday was New Year's Eve. Today's the first. Mm-hmm. And I had a really cute little New Year's. I had a cute New Year's and a cute Christmas because we haven't recorded since Christmas. I've been, I yeah, spent both holidays alone. It was fan-fucking-tastic. I didn't have to do any dishes because I didn't have guests over like I usually do. Um, I sat high as fuck on the couch all day on Christmas. I ate uh, this incredible bacon goat cheeseburger with rosemary fries. Mm. I watched Ooh, all I watched all my favorite Christmas movies, which included Dream Girls, Friday After Next, and uh, the Charlie Brown Christmas special. I noticed that on your Instagram story. I don't remember Friday After Next being Christmassy, but I'll have to look back at it. It is very much a Christmas movie. Look at the promo picture again because it's all Christmas. I noticed when you posted it that I was like, oh, it does look Christmassy. I just, I don't know why it just escaped me. Yeah, well, because all of the Fridays after the first one are pretty terrible. But they're funny and they're classic. So, I mean, who gives a fuck about I love about next it? Friday. Yeah, all, all, all vibes, no plot. But Friday after next is the mm-hmm. best one besides the first Friday. So, yeah, um, I did that on Christmas. And then I worked on Christmas Eve for like three or four hours, which annoyed me, but whatever. And then I went home and I ate mushrooms and watched the fireworks behind my house because I can see the whole strip because um, I live on a hill. And so that was really fucking cool. And then I took notes on this movie on mushrooms. It was great. <laughs> that sounds great. Wait, so you are on mushrooms on Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve? No, Christmas. Or that was just New Year's Eve? Christmas, I just ate off my like weight in edibles. Okay. So I was very fucked up still but on new year's eve i took it up a notch for the new year (laughs) (laughs) got a turn real turn i love being washed and like celebrating holidays it's like the best way to celebrate holidays is being washed you save money you save outfits and time Mm -hmm. it's great shout out to being washed yeah I, i i haven't taken advantage of shrooms being legalized in california yet they're not legal here get on that well, I know, but like, and well, yeah, it doesn't matter that they're legal to me because obviously I've done them just before Just like accessibility legal. reasons, like you can get them anywhere now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just knowing that you can get them anywhere. I'm like, ah, I haven't taken advantage of that yet. But me and Andrew kicked it up a notch yesterday by drinking way too much vodka and watching Xanadu. <laughs> wow, okay. I have never, I have never seen Xanadu. It's a lot. Um, I actually thought it was... I thought it was going to be a little more futuristic than it was, Mm-mm. but I also didn't expect it to have zero plot whatsoever None. and basically be a, a giant, ridiculous music video. And I was living for it. I had fun. <laughs> it's crazy. It's weird. And like, you're like, okay, people just want to get dressed up and do weird shit. It is the seventies, right? Uh, it was 1980, but it was probably filmed in 1979. So it feels very disco-y 1970s to me. Roller rink, you know, yeah. roller dirt. Not roller derby. What the fuck? Roller rink roller like, girl skate, yes. Yeah, roller skate rink. and ring mm-hmm. vibes. Yeah, and like lots of sequin and, and shimmer. There was lots of smoke. Fluffy you know, hair. Fog, there was many fog machines on this set. 
the outfits were tacky. I didn't even realize Gene Kelly was in Xanadu. How did I go so long without knowing that Gene Kelly was in Xanadu? Mm-hmm. But that was fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it was a good time. And then after that, I watched Girls Trip. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, but yeah, what are you smoking on? What you been getting high off of? Um, I'm smoking Sherbet Queen. I'm pretty sure I've already talked about this strain on the show, but whatever. It's a good one. It, Old it's, Faithful. It's a pretty, yeah, it's, it kind of knocks you out. So I'm a fan of that. Yeah, New Year, New Comas. Uh, What's up? <laughs> yeah, I, but uh, this, the, this, yeah, my God, the Indigo Mushmouth, there it is. The description, though, I'm looking at this time is funnier than the last one, because this one is like, um, she has delicious flavors, seductive aromas, and oh. highly medicinal attributes that provide oh. a wholesome experience. I'm like, wholesome? Somebody was horny typing. I know. I'm like, do you mean wholesome as in well-rounded, like whole, whole effect? Because this is not wholesome. <laughs> like, there's nothing wholesome about an indica that makes you drool. But whatever. Somebody I'll go with was it. <laughs> uh, browsing Pornhubs and found some keywords. <laughs> yeah. I was like, ooh, this is big horny energy right here, dude. I know. The, se- the seductive aromas mm. of grass. <laughs> Love that for you. Yeah, so we had good holidays. and We got a little breaky break in, so we could just refresh, reboot, and um, mm-hmm. bring some, some newer, higher energy. Yes. We haven't even talked about the movie that we're covering yet. We haven't even mentioned its name. Um, it's a little movie that you might know called Scream. Fuck did I say it like that? <laughs> um, yeah, we're being topical for once. The new Scream comes out uh, J- January fourteenth. Sure, I'm not watching it, so it's whatever. It it comes out January something teenth, I think. Um, it, soon it comes out soon. Yeah. So we're gonna, you know cover the original because i i don't even want to acknowledge that the new one is just called scream yeah because it's supposed to be like it's a part of this current franchise well i mean yeah it is okay it's not a it's not a re they're not remaking it it's they not just like how are, they did child it's the fifth play, right? movie no it's it's the fifth movie in the series they're just choosing to call it scream because they're sadistic i don't know there's just no good reason to call it scream why not scream five that's perfect yeah (laughs) like it just doesn't make sense i don't know but yeah i'll watch it eventually i'm just not watching it right now yeah and i just feel like there's something that tells me based on the marketing that the movie's probably not going to be good a january especially an early january release usually isn't a good sign Mm -hmm, because that's like isn't that the time in the year where it shit's usually dead or something yeah, theaters are slow, so a lot of times some big movies will come out during this time because, you know, there's not a lot of competition. And a big, you know, a movie with rain neck, rain neck ignition, name recognition like Scream will probably get a lot of asses in the seats. But it also usually means that the quality is probably not great because they don't trust it to compete at a more busy time of year. <sighs> big yikes. It's, yeah, it's usually a sign that a movie... They're 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 questioning how much audiences are going to like it. Oh, God, so yeah. who knows? And just the marketing keeps showing like all you know. They keep showing like nine pictures in a row of all the characters, or like in a collage, or whatever. How many it is? They just keep showing a collage of like different character posters, and are like the killers on one of these. The killers here, and it's like 
okay, so we know one of these people is the killer, or are they lying? Either way, it just seems desperate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, like, you're drumming up like this. I don't know. It's a little tacky. It's very 90s. And maybe that's just hearkening back to the fact that Scream is from the 90s. But it seems like why, we don't need the gimmicks anymore. Just give us the movie. Call it Scream fucking five. And just have it be well written. We don't need the dumb bullshit. Who cares? I know. That's why I'm like, oh, God. I don't. I'm trying not to be the uh, the old bitch at the club. Like, back in my day, we had substance <laughs> yeah, in our shitty horror movies. Because, like, we're going to get to it. The movie we're watching today is not Oscar-worthy. Like, <laughs> these, <laughs> these niggas wasn't acting. They wasn't doing their best. But there's just, like, a, <laughs> a fucking, I don't know. There's an allure. There is a grab. And it's just, like, the memories attached to it. So to try to relive those memories poorly is, like, I know. I, you can keep it. You can keep it. I don't need it. But whatever. We'll see. Yeah, the original is just so iconic. It's very formative. It, even though it obviously borrowed from a lot of movies and played on pre-existing tropes and, you know, was very meta with how it approached them, it did it in a fresh way. I will say, though, that there is a 1981 film called Student Bodies okay. that me and Andrew saw like a year or two ago, and it's hilarious. Like, it's not as good as Scream, but it definitely was doing what Scream did 15 years before. So while Scream is extremely formative, people need to watch Student Bodies from okay. 1981. Track track it down. Like it is a meta slasher, just like Scream. Do your homework. Like it really does a lot of yeah. It really does a lot of what this film does a decade and a half earlier. Not as well, maybe. And it was a little cruder. And I'm sh- I don't remember, but I'm pretty sure there was some like a bad depictions. Let's just say there was a problematic shit in it. I feel like. But it's 1981. Just I was going to say it's 81, though. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fun time, and it really, like, there's no references to it in Scream, but I would be really su- surprised if Kevin Williamson, the, the screenwriter, did not see student bodies first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But anyway, Scream. We'll get right into it. Let's get right into it. Yeah. The, obviously, this first, like, 10-minute or so opening scene is one of the most iconic scenes in horror history. And strangely enough, my first note is that's an ugly ass phone <laughs> because that landline was hideous. Mine says intro with a scream and a phone ring. Queen Drew Barrymore answers. Every time somebody major in this movie is on, um, I typed their names like in caps black, like boldly. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of screaming in my notes. I also yeah. was on mushrooms, so I got excited most of these notes. <laughs> yeah. So her like. <laughs> 10 minutes or so of screen time here is just pretty fucking legendary. Her, she, she gives a pretty good performance here. She's actually really convincing. She does. And yeah. Wes Craven actually wanted her for the part of Sydney Prescott, but Drew Barrymore thought it would be more interesting to play Casey Becker. So props to Drew Barrymore for choosing the, this path, like for, you know, she wasn't in all the movies, but she is probably the most iconic she is part of the most iconic scene in the whole franchise and mm-hmm. in all of horror movie history. So mm-hmm. I think she probably won out over, not that it's a competition between her and Nev Campbell, who just happened to be cast as Sydney after that. But like Drew made a good choice and just the whole, my God, this look, I dressed up as this for Halloween <laughs> before. I always loved the Bratz doll. They Bratz doll uh, re- remade like this look from Drew Oh, Barrymore. did they? Uh, it's, I'll send it to you. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, her that like 
icy blonde chin length blunt bob with the bangs perfect the cable knit sweater like cable knit is i'm I'm sorry, cable knit is terrible. Or is this even cable knit or is it just ribbed? I think it's just a thick ribbed. It's just like sweater. a chunky ribbed sweater, yeah. Yeah, it's not cable knit. But anyway, on anyone else in a different look, this would be hideous. But on her, it's incredible. It's like off white. Her pants are like screaming, shocking white blue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, oh, these are two very different whites on each other. But it's just the whole thing is iconic. And does she have like a light cocoa lip? A little bit. It's it's like a it's a nineties nude, you know. Yeah, it's like a nude that's a little red, but also a little brownish. Yeah, it's like a yeah, it's like a brownish whatever. It's nineties cocoa. Yeah, I'm looking at her outfit again. Oh my god, this is so iconic. I know such clashing whites, but it's iconic anyway. Oh, and the first line of the movie it basically is just her her classic lisp. oh drew (laughs) wait is it a yes or is it a hello hello i don't remember what the fuck she says but right away even before like right after we see her you get we get like a shot of the rope swing swing Uh in the wind outside and you're like oh now seeing this movie like 30 times i'm like we know the foreshadowing yeah she gonna be strung up on that shit later. Mm-hmm. So we get we get to her getting the phone call. What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, iconic line. I feel like that's been. Oh yeah, because I my notes say um, on the phone they're going back and forth like an Aaliyah song. Bitch, what the fuck is this? He dialed her wrong twice, <laughs> and in the nineties, so I know that bill gonna be high. Because <laughs> he was like, calling a lot. Stop answering. And and we later find out, you know, cell phones are involved. So I know these niggas had a high ass phone bill. Who was paying this? Because they were in high mm-hmm. school. I know their parents was pissed. Yeah. She says her favorite scary movie is Halloween. Good choice. Which obviously will come into play later. I got well. it. And probably be the most referenced movie. <laughs> iconic and cliche. Yes. And also I wrote like this. This is the iconic Jiffy Pop scene. I said that Jiffy Pop owes Scream like all of its sales. From 1996 onward. So many decades. No one was making... People were not really... I feel like Jiffy Pop was on its way out when this movie was made. It, like, revived Jiffy Pop. I remember the Jiffy Pop commercials from when I used to watch the Mickey Mouse Club on um, the old, old Disney. The one from, like, the 60s. And they Mm -hmm. would rerun the commercials from back then. It would be like, Jiffy Pop, Jiffy Pop, the magic treat. As fun to make as it is to eat. And, And, like... That was my only memory of it. And then I saw it on screen when I was older and I was like, I would love to make some Jiffy Pop. It just made popcorn look so much better. And when it's a little burnt. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure as soon as I, I think as soon as I saw this movie, I was like, Dad, can we get some Jiffy Pop? Yeah, I want to make it on the stove. <laughs> and then my little gay ass also pretended to get murdered like her <laughs> while eating the Jiffy Pop. <laughs> I used to play Scream with my action figures. That's so cute. Oh, that is so fresh. Yeah, it's a little deranged too. I love that. Other kids were just like fighting with their like Spider-Man and shit like and their X-Men figures like they're supposed to be. And I'm like hacking each other. Who who wants to be one of the Cenobites in Hellraiser? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And the main character was always my... um, Buffy figurine. It was a Sarah Michelle Geller as Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And she was always the lead. That's so cute. God, I wish you were my son. Yeah. Fun times. Um, <laughs> uh, 
Also, I wrote, this house is fucking gorgeous. Yeah, I was going to say, the the layout of the house, because when she's, like, going through it, going, these, like, floor-to-ceiling windows, and, mm-hmm. like, the backyard is cool. Like, I do like the layout of this house. It's cool. There is too much white, though. Yeah, of course. They don't know how to decorate for shit. I said the layout was cool. I didn't say the interior was nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. I mean, I think it was nice. It was still, but it was just too much white. It was very Pier 1. Casey's mama loved herself some Pier 1. Then they're going back and forth on the phone. Casey starts to sass, we'll just call him Ghostface. She's like, motherfucker, leave me alone. And eventually, like, he starts to get more aggressive. And she's like, what do you want? And he's like, to see what your insides look like. And I'm like, oh, damn. Like, I forgot how, like, unsettling that is. Yeah. So then they, you know, you know what happens. This scene is so, like, everyone knows what happens. But, like, she loses the game because she says that, like, what did she say? She's, she, he asks her, like, who the killer is on Friday the 13th. She mistakenly says Jason because it's actually his mother. And her boyfriend gets gutted. Yeah, but before that, he, he like, showed her her boyfriend was tied up in the back. Oh, yeah. Then he does well, the trivia. Like he mentioned that he was there. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was like Steve in the back. He all tied up. He all fucked up. And then I said, please not trivia night. (laughs) And then then I said, he gutted Steve. And uh, I laughed because when she's like crying over seeing gutted Steve, she goes and creeps down by the TV. And I was like, TV so big, you could hide behind it like a big booty bitch. Because this is when the TVs had booties and they had they had the big humpback. And she was hiding behind that shit. And I was, and then her little jeans, like her outfit right here is like, oh God, it's great. Yeah. That TV had to weigh 120 pounds. Easily. Yeah. You needed like multiple family members to bring that shit in When you was moving. Yeah. Besides like the, the old school flat screen TVs that take up the whole wall of the living room. (laughs) And and then you could only watch it at nighttime because in day the glare was too hard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I wrote, at least Steve got to die by this nice-ass pool, because that backyard is beautiful. Ooh, I agree. There's a nice little country fog over the pool. It's very, it's it's a nice place to die. They got money. They got money. And it looked like there was a little pool house Mm -hmm. back there and shit, too. Mm Mm-hmm. There were, like, columns, I feel like. Like, this shit was decadent. Agreed. They put in the money back there. Um, She goes back in the house at this point after Steve's been gutted out there. And the fire, the alarm in the house eventually goes off. But I'm like, the whole house is already filled with smoke. And that shit ain't on yet. Like, this Jiffy Pop is a smoking. And I just keep thinking of in Scary Movie when the Jiffy Pop bag is like eight feet tall after, <laughs> by the end of the scene. <laughs> I know. And then she gonna just grab one knife. I'm like, bitch, take all of the knives. What the fuck? Like, you need to take every last mm-hmm. knife in that motherfucking kitchen and turn yourself into fucking Freddy Krueger. Yeah, because Ghostface or whatever. Yeah, Ghostface threw already threw a fucking chair through the back door by the pool, and he's in there. So yeah. you need to like, you need to get the fuck out or get more weaponry because he's running around. You see that first shot of him running around too when she's in the kitchen. It's actually pretty scary. It's very scary. We haven't seen him at this point. It's very scary. Yeah. If you look though, when the light hits his cape, you it glitters. Like there's a total. There's a nice glittery sheen to it. Oh. I'm like, does does that add to the queer undertones of this movie a little more that the killer's in a sparkly gown, essentially? Right. Gay as hell. His best drag, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, no, this is when I get my favorite scene, because it's not my favorite scene, but it is, um, 
<laughs> Once again, just like in I Know What You Did Last Summer, every scene is from Scary Movie, and this is the blowjob scene from a Scary Movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he chases her. Her She sees her parents. Or yeah, she runs outside, sees her parents' car coming up the long-ass fucking road. I just wanted to be like, can't you just run towards the car? But you can see that this is a windy-ass road and it actually might be pretty far away. So yeah. maybe she wouldn't have made it. But I'm, I'm just like, run! Anything at run. this point, yeah. I know. But she, like, turns around and he's just in the in the window and turns around and scares the shit out of her. He breaks through it and chases her and then and he finally stabs her. And Stab the shit out of her. It's... I know, it's still so sad. Like, I've seen this movie so many times, and for some reason, like, sometimes in the back of my head, I'm like, she's gonna make it this time, I think. No. And she never does. <laughs> and it's sad, because she's, like, marked right in front of the crib. Her mom can hear it on the phone. Drew is such a good, mm-hmm. like... It's just like Sarah Michelle Gellar, and I know what she did last summer. Like, her death was, like, she fought for it. It's just like, fuck! You were so close! You were so close! Mm-hmm. But no, there's a lot of little nuances in her performance, even though it's very short and like on a similar note. But she when she is down there and she knows she's about to die and he and Ghostface is on top of her and she pulls the mask off like she is. She looks so tired and she's already been stabbed. So she's like dying at this point. And you could just see the surprise in her eyes as she sees whoever the killer is. Yep. Even through all of that, like exhaustion and fatigue on her face you could still see that little moment come through and it's really good acting in that one second there she's really good yeah then she just gets hacked up and her parents are like on the in the foyer like 10 feet away listening to her on the phone and it's pretty like it's intense just like it's a good touch like i haven't seen that i mean i'm sure it's happened in other movies but i don't know it's an emotional moment and we just met these characters you know Mm mm-hmm there, it, it kind of plays on the fact that this is Drew Barrymore. We all, she's like, at this point, America's sweetheart. She was in Poison Ivy, I think, before this, so that kind of, you know. Yeah. Dirtied her, up a, dirtied her up a little bit. But, like, I think that she was still kind of considered, like, the sweet girl. So, well, I don't think people just, were like, expecting GT's to see this happen to her. type shit. Like, we, mm-hmm. just, Drew Barrymore is very beloved. And so, when you, uh see her die in the first like 10 minutes of the movie you're like fuck we thought you because you don't even know what this movie is like it's just getting to crack it off so you don't even know what's gonna happen you're like maybe she makes it and she gets to tell the story about her encounter with Ghostface in a town that's already been like terrorized Mm -hmm. by some killer maniac or whatever but nah they get her up out of here and and yeah her parents are like they hear it on the phone and then immediately mm-hmm. after hearing her, you know, final breast being taken, boom, they see her hung up like a coat. Right on that rope swing, that Ghostface had strung her up with that rope. Um, as the as the mother, you know, as the mother goes outside to find her because the father says to go drive down to the Mackenzies. Another nod to Halloween. Jamie Lee Curtis tells Tommy and Lindsay to go down to the Mackenzies' house when once. Uh, Michael Myers breaks into their house. So, yeah. Wes Craven clearly loved, and Kevin Williamson clearly loved Halloween very much. Mm. Um, also, the mom's scream when she sees Casey hanging from the tree is so guttural. Yeah. Pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> because her out, her her insides are on the outside. It is a good like gore job they yeah. did on her. Like it is bloody. Well, even as do hell. you remember like Steve? Like that was pretty like oh. 
he had more innards showing for sure. Yeah, he was disemboweled. But they were or both whatever. very bloody. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't really get to see all the hacking up. Like it was all all the stabs and the blood from that was pretty much all off screen. But like once they actually show it, it's pretty intense. It's they did a good job. Yeah. So then, and that's kind of just like the first murder we get, the first kill, and then next shot is a uh, Ned Campbell in her room. Yeah, and I, my note, first notes for this are: What seventeen-year-old wears a nightgown to bed? I said, Is that a thing? <laughs> I said, how come she dressed like Florida Evans? <laughs> She's seventeen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn, 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 James. <laughs> oh my god! She looks just like Florida. Um, she did, oh and my she's god, seventeen, yes. just dressed like somebody's. Uh, <laughs> fucking mama like it's messy it's a mess she looks a mess no i feel like there's a lot of like there's a couple of lesbian cues here is the nightgown i don't know why the nightgown just oh she has an indigo girls poster i know so let's that <laughs> and, and that little sad ass ponytail with them bangs <laughs> she was like ew maybe that's why she don't want to suck bailey's dick i know she was like ugly um jennifer love hewitt remember when she was she had her little ugly moment that i always bring up and i know you did last yes. summer it was very much like that i mean that, she had a couple but yeah yes. that prude that prude bitch era she was in um denim skirt you, she probably has a chastity belt on. Uh-huh. Like, they, uh-huh. in, scary, in scary movie, they make that joke. Well, well, because, okay, so let's just get into it. So Nev's in her room, uh, sitting up in my room by Brandy is probably playing in the background. Um, but oh, she's yeah. <laughs> uh, it's on her computer and shit and lollygagging. And then all of a sudden, this greasy nigga. <laughs> I said, <laughs> my- <laughs> My notes say, I hate this nigga Billy. He's so slimy, like Jermaine Jackson, slick and sleazy. <laughs> Every time I see Jermaine Jackson, he just looks like a like a fucking can of oil. Just like so like <laughs> slick and greasy and slimy. And that's how I feel about Billy. Just the worst. Like Ebony from the first season of America's Next Top Model. You keep getting the grease all on the doorknobs, Ebony. <laughs> I hated God, them. Ebony was so great. I hated them. <laughs> I loved how problematic that season was, though. Jesus Christ. Shout out to America's Next Top <laughs> Model. Um, but yeah, so this nigga Billy slithers his way up to her room, scares the shit out of her, and she screams. And he's not supposed to be in there. And Sydney's dad comes and is like, what's going on? And she's like, nothing, dad. And he's like, well, I'm going out of town. Yeah, her and her weird fucking doorknob trick where she like yeah, her the, closet her is like door. adjacent yeah her closet's adjacent to the the door to the room so she like lines it up so that when her dad tries to open the door the knobs like lock and he can't get in i'm yeah. like would that work every time like if you know that that happens just open that door a little harder right, <laughs> right. i'm pretty sure that is easy to get around put some pressure <laughs> on that thing but yeah so her and her dad are talking about holding the house down while he goes out of town and shit so that's the setup right there daddy's daddy's not home and <laughs> yeah she's like i'm a big girl i got it blah, blah, blah. i was like hell yeah we see you a big girl with this ugly ass moo on like you somebody's fu- fucking 78 <laughs> year old grandma <laughs> you dress like you can take care of yourself <laughs> so then um 
when she turns around after her dad leaves and Billy's in the room. And it'd be, for some reason, I was just like, he reminds me of in, in appearance and in what he does, like enters the room with a ladder like that. He's like Sam from Clarissa Explains It All. <laughs> Oh, yeah, because he, too, has that little butt crack haircut. <laughs> yeah, he did. I mean, he's the, he's the slimy, like, more Jared Leto-y version of Yeah, because Sam. Sam was sick as, as that fuck. Was he was like, yeah, he was, like, a good friend, and he was, like, not sleazy. No, no, he was cool. But, yeah, then Billy, you, like, pops back, because he, like, hid when her daddy showed up, but then he, like, pops back up on the side of her bed or whatever, and is he's just trying to do the damn horny thing, you know, what... But all horny boys want to do, and as get the draws, as Tommy for Martin would say. He he tricks her. He says he wants to do over-the-close stuff to get her to do stuff with him. Uh-huh. And he immediately tries to slide his hand up her leg towards her cooch, and she's like, no. Yeah, Rude. I, my notes say white people love a sex scene to an acoustic guitar. Because <laughs> in the background, this is like a acoustic guitar, and yeah, sexy. No, it's a cover. It's a cover of Don't Fear the Reaper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting song choice. One, because the original by Blue Oyster Cult was in Halloween. Another nod to Halloween. Uh-huh. And because Billy's the Reaper. It's like, yeah. you know, it, it's like, don't fear, don't fear the Reaper. Billy's the Reaper. And she's, he's trying to get in her pants. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. he's trying to virginize her the whole movie. So it's an interesting, there's meaning behind the song choice. And I just noticed it this time. And she eventually like kicks him out and... It's like, okay. And she's like, are you, sh- are you sure you're not mad? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. And she's like, are you sure? And she's just like feeling guilty, I guess. But I'm like, he is, he, he is mad. His dick hurts so bad. He is dead ass pissed because you gave him blue balls. Because you want to be physical with him, but you don't. And it's weird. And it's like. Why are you like letting him in your room? Like, don't do that, girl. That's he is clearly only about sex. Don't do this. Like, unfortunately, like this isn't her fault. It's just society sucks. And he's looking at you like you're a tease. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm annoyed for Mm -hmm. her. And I'm just like, girl, kick him all the way out. Don't even let him in because he's just going to keep trying to pressure you into some shit you you don't want to do. And I just hate that for her. Like, it sucks. I know. Billy's the worst type of guy. Yeah, but then so um, <laughs> before he leaves, she's like, I know he can't have a rated R, but would you settle for a PG-13 relationship? <laughs> <laughs> and then he's like, what's that? And then she does this weak-ass titty flash and her little fi- fi- finest moo-moo uh, with all the little flowers. <laughs> and she shows her little, her little fucking sting. So sexy. Yeah, her little sting, her little bee stings. He's like, oh, you're such a tease. And it's like, he wasn't satisfied with that bullshit. Like, you know how many Playboys he wanked The Moo Moo killed it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like. Even if she had the best tits in the world, that Moo Moo no is just unsexy, killing all the abuse. There is no unsexy way to peel back them thick ass <laughs> shoulders that can't even be called straps because it's just like a sleeveless like dress <laughs> it's so ugly yeah it's they're not straps it's, it's so just ugly. there's no sleeves it's, it's yeah. like a sleeveless like fucking collar were there frills on the end yeah, of it yeah like it buttoned <laughs> it buttoned to the top i'll tell you that much. and it came down oh, it did down it, pa- did. it came down past her knees a little bit like no, for sure did, yeah. This came from, like, the saved line at JCPenney's. Like, yeah. This is, like, 
she looks like she should be a rat. She looks like she needs one of those like Scrooge sleeping caps and a fucking candle. <laughs> she looks like she's ready to like peer down a hallway for ghosts in 1880s England. This was Bible study couture. Like she was very much giving like first first family of the church of whatever the fuck. Like it was sad and her little titty flash. I was like, bitch, if you don't just go to bed. <laughs> Just you can only wear this outfit if you're under five or over seven. <laughs> he he was better off just seeing a little bit of shoulder you had out. Like he didn't even. Who cares yeah. at this point? So yeah, we moved past uh, the sad ass Florida Evans moment, and I do have to say, I own one of those. I'm sure you do. Every bad bitch does. Like that's your around the house dress. You don't show that to everybody. I know we're ra- we're rag. I know we're ragging on it, but in a way, I, you know, I kind of. Every, live for it, every so. bad bitch has a house dress. Like you have your little mm-hmm. your around the house gown. This is your couture that only you and your significant other may see. And but she was just showing it to Billy like they was really comfortable like that. And he was like, "Bitch, we are in high school. I'm never going to forget this. As soon as mm-hmm. I get the pussy, I am going to tell everybody you own this." <laughs> Ew. Ew. So anyways, yeah, the next day at school, 12 is everywhere to be seen. The police are all Mm -hmm. over that goddamn campus taping shit off. And then we see who? The fabulous Courtney Cox in this citrus power suit. (laughs) Oh my God. It is iconic. It's like chartreuse. You're like, God damn. It's (laughs) incredible. His hair is tea to the gods. Highlights. It's incredible. It's so much shimmer and she's ready. For fucking the first on like on the scene live action she is journalist she is the journalist uh on the scene mm-hmm. we get this weird ass like 90s operatic voice score too the score in this movie is marco beltrami is a pretty is, he's a good composer but it's very cheesy <laughs> it's just like oh yeah but I think I think that is, you're like, okay. it's supposed to be like a part of it too, like so just on the nose, corny ass like horror yeah, for sure. horror music. That's like, oh my god, we're mm-hmm. just okay, we're we're doing it. So yeah, then mm-hmm. um, Rose motherfucking McGowan, and she is giving like, wait, no, we see Tatum and she's telling Sydney about Casey and Stu being murdered. Yeah, last that's night. what it is. Yeah, she's giving her the brutal. And her outfit is cute too. Mm-hmm. Her- her outfit is also amazing. There's a lot of ribbed t-shirts in this movie. Because that was big Billy in the Billy wears 90s. one, like most of the movie. I had a lot of mm-hmm. uh, ribbed sweaters uh, when I was younger. I got them from Limited 2. I, I, was, I was not doing the ribs at this time. Yes, yeah, more popular in girls. Because we had like cropped ribbed and like the little zipper, mm-hmm. the fake zipper rib thing with the collar. I had so many of them damn sweaters and shirts. Yeah, this is like a pale yellowish green ribbed tee and a red plaid skirt. She looks great. Mm-hmm. And then she like kind of is a little rude to Sydney and says that Dewey said that the crime from the night before was even worse than dot, dot, dot. And then there's an awkwardness because obviously we learn and everyone that's seen this movie knows that the year before Sydney's mother, Maureen, was raped and killed. So rude Tatum. Yeah. But then Sydney goes to see the sheriff. She's called in. And I just immediately think of Scary Movie again. There's just some scenes where Ziggy. I just think of Scary Movie. Or Squiggy. Yeah. Doofy. <laughs> Squiggy. Oh, I was, I was thinking oh. of the principal Squiggy. Oh. oh, right. It is principal Squiggy. Because it's Henry Winkler. 
as the Fonz in 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 her like it's the in this one yeah in Scream. and so they got Squiggy from fucking Laverne and Shirley. <laughs> So, oh my god, I totally forgot that Squiggy was the principal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when they introduce Dewey, I just can't help but think of Doofy. Yeah. <laughs> and they, just the way that in Scary Movie, when when Cindy's about to walk in, and they're like, you know, the one, the mother with the, yeah, and they keep making all these, like, sexual innuendo, and it's so gross, but I can't <laughs> help but think about it. Because <laughs> basically, even though that's over the top in Scary Movie, this whole fucking franchise really just slut shames Maureen Prescott. <laughs> like 1000%. She is never redeemed. The whole, like the mm-hmm. movie pretty much, uh, oh, the movie never really stands up for her. And that's my biggest issue with it. It doesn't stand up for her. No, they all. said that she like, she was like the town slut and everybody was just fucking on her. And it was like, what the fuck dude? Yeah. And Sydney's ashamed to be her daughter. It's uh-huh. not like Sydney doesn't have a moment where she's like, not even in the third and fourth movies, a moment where she's like, my mom is just misunderstood. Fuck all of you for thinking that she was a bad person. No. She actually, she's still embarrassed of her slut mom. And I'm uh-huh. like, ah, that's Every- like the blight on this franchise. Like everybody got a pass, girl. Who cares? Your mom used to be a hoe. I used to be 10. We all grow up. <laughs> <laughs> news, newsflash. I'm sure a lot of these people's mamas were hoes. Okay. How like, do you think you just, got here? How and that's you, fine. Do you think and everyone got fine. here out of a monogamous, a monogamous loving relationship? No, some people got nutted in on accident and didn't have a choice and didn't have enough of money. Hoeing, hoeing is knowing. Right. And showing. Okay. That you got good pussy. I just made that up now. Yeah. <laughs> so did I. I'm freestyling. You, yeah. This is off the top of the dome. But, but you but. know more shit. The more you fuck, the more you learn. It's a the learning experience. The more you hoe. And insert the mm-hmm. rainbow with the star, okay? Like, goddamn. Yes, the more you hoe, the more you know. B- bitches be hoeing, and niggas do too, so. No, now we get the iconic water fountain scene outside of school. They're all just, like, oh, hanging yeah. around the water fountain like it's the fucking opening like scene of Friends. Friends, I was gonna say, this looks like Friends, but the scary <laughs> the, the, the version. Credits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> then my notes say, because oh, did you hear over the over the intercom system, it's like, your principal loves you. <laughs> I <laughs> oh, yeah. he's telling the kids to be safe and shit and then that's when I we- wish he was like hey <laughs> we needed some right. Fonzie no. references come on <laughs> give us one he, right. he should have said hey over the PA <laughs> I feel like maybe we got a little something when he kept playing with his hair like the Fonz used to do in the mirror oh that's true that's true but yeah and then in my my notes again got real big and bold because it said Jamie Kennedy Matthew Lillard icons mm-hmm. um by the way i went to school with a nigga who i used to think looked like matthew lillard shout out to you ryan i still fuck with him heavy he's cool is it wrong that i find matthew lillard kind of attractive in who this who doesn't matthew lillard has since slc punk um this and what's that other one that i used to think he was so cute in fuck there's another movie 13 there. ghosts <laughs> maybe because i love 13 ghosts yeah i love 13 you know i love mm-hmm. 13 ghosts um I don't know, there's another movie I think he was so cute in. But he was a cute, weirdo, like, skinny nigga from the 90s. He was, like, my Pete mm-hmm. Davidson, you know? Yeah, yeah Pete Davidson, I don't get that one. But Matthew Lillard, I get. Exactly. People didn't understand Matthew Lillard back then, but they get it now. Like, he looks like he would rip someone's face off with his teeth, but he also looks like he would be a good cuddler at the same time. Yeah, I just feel <laughs> like he, like, listens. And he, like, is kind of chill and silly and... Would probably like smoke weed and drink a beer with you and maybe fall asleep on your couch. 
But there's a menacing. Yeah, eat your last slice of pizza and and possibly strangle you too hard. <laughs> yeah. Choke me, and then he strangles you. You know what I mean? I feel like he'd be a biter. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. We find out that so he's Stu, and we find out that Stu dated Casey. So they're all like a little suspicious at first, but then Tatum says that she was with him last night. So it's like, okay, well, clearly Billy must have killed Casey. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a little, I feel like Stu is definitely trying to, Stu is hinting at them being the killers right there. Cause he's like, it takes a man to do something like that. And then Tatum's like, or a man's mentality. That's her, her nineties feminist comeback. Just to let you guys know, once again, Rose McGowan is just playing herself in this movie. I love her in this. I wish that Rose McGowan hasn't, didn't turn out the way that she did. (laughs) I still use that, uh, (laughs) that clip of her thinking like (laughs) her saying, uh, if you uh, imagine you're tired, imagine how tired we are (laughs) whenever I'm exhausted. (laughs) She is just so ridiculous now. She is a lot of fucked up shit happened to her. So to an extent, I, I do feel bad for her, but she's, she's gone over. But I, again, <laughs> she has gone like full like white woman. So yeah, that's yeah. They people like her get a little bit of pushback from the people whose side they think they're on, and then all of a sudden there are conservatives out of nowhere. You're like that was lurking under there the whole time. Yeah, that was that's been there. I mean, she's rich and yeah, famous. you were perf- you're performative. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, whatever. In this movie, she's amazing. I love her. Of course. She's. She sasses Stu the whole time. I just like that. She she doesn't. She quote unquote wears the pants in this relationship. Yeah, I don't know. They just fucking shoot the shit. I don't know. I feel like they say some fucked up stuff about like murder and gutting and whatever. And Sydney gets all freaked out. Yeah. And Stu jokingly says to live her alone, which I love a bad <laughs> pun. So I'm like. <laughs> I, knew I was waiting for you to say something about that. Because when I heard that, I was like, oh, Chris is eating this up. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. <laughs> he, has, I was. he he harps on it to make sure everyone heard. Did you get it, liver? <laughs> yes, liver. Nigga, we, we heard you, nigga. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> so my next note is Chateau de Prescott because my God, oh what my God, oh my God, with beautiful views, like. These people are fucking rich in Woodsboro. Oh, These yeah. motherfuckers have money. My notes say, oh, she live in the middle of nowhere. All them damn trees, bitch. Can't nobody find you. I, her deck, the deck of this house is like three times the size of my apartment. They have a gazebo in the back. That little, yeah. like, that little hut in the back. That was a fucking gazebo, dude. What the fuck? Who just has a gazebo in their backyard? Jesus Christ. Y'all are on acres. Like, that's how y'all die in. You got, you got room to die. Honestly, it kind of looks like my gay uncle's house <laughs> in upstate New York. Oh, nice. They're they're pretty rich, and and they have a gazebo and a little church on their property because my uncle is unofficially a priest. <laughs> oh my god! Or a pastor. I I don't know what he is, but he's got a, his own church for his own gay ass friends, so they could go. So that's cute. But yeah, they're back. They're, this kind of looks like that, like the nice view over the hillside. The gazebo, the, is there, I don't know if there's a pool, but the deck is just so damn big. It's like, this is, uh, Cindy is living nice. Yeah, this is a huge house. She also makes a comment, like, the police and the reporters, it's like deja vu all over again. I think she's talking to Tatum on the phone. And you're getting more ideas, like, they're dropping more hints that Sydney is, has been traumatized. Yeah. In some way. And, th- and then she 
I hate this when this happens in movies, but it works in this because it's just so fucking corny. But like when someone turns on the TV and the thing on every fucking channel is the same news story at the same part of the story, I'm like, oh, come on. <laughs> it's so For stupid. real. But you know what? She also has like, back to what you said right before that, Um, she has that thing that Jennifer Love Hewitt had in all of the I Know What You Did Last Summer movies, which is like those like... I'm about to cry eyes, like the distressed eyes. Oh, yeah. Like, Neve, or mm-hmm. I keep going to call her Neve. Neve Campbell looks so distressed, like, from the beginning. Like, so we already kind of just knew something was going on and then add all this other shit into the mix and it gets just, like, progressively worse and worse. The sad eyes, just, like, so sad. Yeah, and of course, she pauses on Gail telling the story. Yeah. <laughs> of all news anchors. She's had and enough basically, of that, that's bitch. how we find out. Yeah, that's how we find out that uh, her mom was raped and murdered here before and left in the town square. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, everyone's getting strung up around here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're having their, like, little sleepover. Or no, they're not having their sleepover yet, sorry. They're talking about having their sleepover. And um, Tatum says that she wants to rent all the right moves because if you pause it right, you could just see his penis about Tom Cruise. And I'm like, that's how you know that a gay man wrote this script. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. straight women are not do you think that there's straight women pausing to see dicks <laughs> i feel like that is a that is a gay man thing to do i'm stereotyping my own people but i think that that sounds pretty gay to me sounds gay to me <laughs> then after she hangs up with tatum she gets a call by the killer she thinks it's randy because i don't know everyone i guess thinks randy's a fucking jokester so every time they see someone in a fucking ghost mask a ghost face mask or on the phone making this voice people think it's randy Oh, yeah, they do. every. I just realized that, yeah. Because I forgot when What's-Her-Face is in the garage, she thinks it's Randy. Yeah, she does. Oh, yeah, the killer asks her his famous line, what's your favorite scary movie? And she's like, she's like, I don't watch that shit. And she's like, because it's oh, always, yeah. I think I wrote it down, it's always some stupid killer stalking some big-breasted girl who can't act, who's always running up the stairs when she should be running out the front door. It's insulting. And I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. Feminist, we're getting the more 90s feminism. The killer says he's on her front porch after he wants her to guess where he is. And she, she don't give a fuck. She don't care. No. <laughs> and she just calls his bluff. I'm like, she reminds me of me because Aunt, I sometimes worry Andrew. Cause if I hear someone in the house, like if I think that there's been a few times where like, it sounded like someone like broke in or I thought like someone came in the door and like, I just go grab a knife and walk right out. There. Oh my God. <laughs> like she has some nerve. She just walks right the fuck out there and it's like i call your bluff and starts pointing pick, putting her fucking finger in her nose to you know test him i'm like she is because my she's brave. the door is wide open all willy-nilly like he probably already have been that mm-hmm. bitch like you don't give a fuck no that's exactly what he did he knew he knows sydney this is probably billy mm-hmm. because he shows up right after this mm-hmm. like this is probably billy because he, you could tell he knows her he knew she was gonna do that and that she would come outside and that he would be able to sneak in because that's how we got in the house. Like she knew he knew how to get her. She was going to come out and posture because Sydney likes to play tough. He knew that that would be his opportunity to get inside. In. Yeah. So, uh, the greatest fight scene thus far happens. Cause I feel like she, she got, she got hands. We see a little bit. She eventually just comes face to face with Ghostface, and they're doing some great choreo, like choreography, just running through this house. I wrote again, glittery ghost face robe. You can see it shimmering in this moonlight. <laughs> that, that, that thing ha- is glittered up. 
they're all like, yeah, they're running around and um, he gets her down. She's, but she's like kicking back, like kick, kicking his ass, literally. Yeah. I'm like, okay, little ninja. But no, she's tough. Yeah, yeah, she's tough. She doesn't go down easy at all. So they have a great little fight scene and she uh, runs upstairs and I love how the layout of this house is because it's like her running so swiftly into each room and just like slamming these doors Mm -hmm. and it just all looks so cool and it it puts you in the moment of like how tense and scared you would be in that house you know and it's like a rounded staircase too so it's very dramatic as she like comes up that and like how sharp those corners are getting into that room and shit like it's good i feel like it's a little bit of vertigo Oh, okay. Okay. I get a little like a Hitchcock's vertigo, just like that. Yeah, no. The circular. I mean, it's not like a spiral, but it's like you know that circular staircase, and then the running through the like in the clock tower thing in Vertigo. Like it gives me those vibes a little bit, and I think they make a Vertigo reference in Scream Three, so I feel like okay, maybe that is a Vertigo reference after all. Yeah, yeah. I didn't think about that, but that could make sense. I wouldn't put it past them, you know. Um. Yeah, so she gets up to her room, and she's able to lock the door, and she calls for the cops through her computer, which is very um, ahead of its time. <laughs> I'm like, was that ever possible? Was that a thing where you could just, I, I mean, we were, a lot, I, I was using the internet when this movie came out. Like, Hell it was yeah. the early it was AOL 96. era. yeah. I don't remember being able to call like on a blank black like interface. Like I think computers were past that. I feel like in 1996. Well, even like what chat room was that, or like what? How did you get to that dispatch? Is this an app, girl? Like how did we get here? And also the phone line was cut, right? Like yes. or the phone was off the hook, so maybe it wasn't cut. If you couldn't call on the phone, how could you? Because back then you had to have the phone to use the computer. <laughs> like as far as exactly. Goes. So if the phone was off the hook, how was the computer working? I don't or know. Or was the phone off the hook because the computer was working? Huh. I don't think that they thought about it, but I was high and I was thinking about it. Uh-huh. I was like, this phone science ain't working. I was just mostly thinking about how annoying that font would be to read now. You know, like that computer screen, like how that like bright green oh, matrix yeah. font was. Like, oof, that would give me a yeah, headache. I'm like, ow, damn. Yeah, that would give me a headache now. Yeah, I get migraines. I can't be looking at that. So as she's hitting them on um, AIM, she's <laughs> hitting the um, police up through AIM, um, Billy comes she's in. She's I- the police. Yeah. <laughs> Billy comes in just in time, being sleazy and greasy. And he is like, mm-hmm. oh, what's going on? Acting all surprised. And she's freaking out, and she runs and hugs him, and right as she hugs him, a cell phone, a big-ass brick, falls out of his pocket, and they both look at each other. And he's trying to act like, you don't know what the fuck is going on, but nigga, we know what the fuck is going on! Yeah, I just love that a cell phone hitting the floor is, like, such a dramatic moment. It can't get more 90s than that. Now everyone has a fucking phone. Like, I wonder if, like, Gen Zers look back at this and they're like, what? Why is that so important? But I don't know also, why I made Gen it's, Z sound it's like mad that. and boring because <laughs> why is a 17 year old nigga running around with a phone? Nigga, who's paying for this? You don't have a fucking job. And phones were expensive back then because you weren't just paying That's for the true. phone, you were paying for the phone by the minute. Mm-hmm. Especially back then, back then. Yeah, in, in 1996, people really did not have 
cell phone. Like very few people had them. So a kid having it is weird. And even if you did have a phone, you had to make sure it worked in that region and you had to make sure that um, there was just so oh, much that well, went you know into what? a cell phone. Oh. What? And I feel really stupid because I never even thought of this before. What? Until just now. That that's, at this point, Sydney's dad has already left. Yeah. That's Sydney's dad's phone. He's just using like Star 69 on Sydney's dad's cell phone. Because at the end, we find out that it's Sydney's dad's phone that all the phone calls are made on oh. the whole time. I never put two and two together before. <laughs> oh. Wow. Damn, we high. Well, I'm just high right now, and I'm making no sense. But I think that that's it. It's he that had makes already because so, he point, ditches the car and shit later. We see. Yeah, I think he already kid. They already kidnapped Sydney's dad, and that's just his phone. All that journalism takes a long time back then, so they probably wiped it to buy themselves some time. Do you think they had Sydney's phone to Sydney's dad's phone for Casey though? No, they couldn't have. I don't. But that does make sense then. In Sydney's case, either way, they had that phone, that phone yeah. to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay, 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 okay. Yeah. The, f- the phone science doesn't totally add up and make it a little more sense of it. <laughs> Just like the computer shit. Nigga, get on your technology, guys. Figure it out. <laughs> In hindsight, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, so anyways, yeah. Um, so it's all this drama because now she thinks that Billy is who he, who he probably really is, which is the killer. And she's not feeling mm-hmm. it. So the police come gather her. Why is Dewey holding the mask right at the front door? Like this nigga has no sensitivity training. He's like not even looking at the door. He's holding the mask up as if there were a peephole and he's using the mask to fool the person behind the door. Like, like why would idiot. you fucking hold it like that? So she opens the door as she runs down the stairs away from Billy and like freaks out, which causes Dewey to freak out because he's a fucking moron. God. And it's, Dewey is annoying to me. I'm like, how hasn't he been killed in one of these fucking movies yet? Is it because it's David Arquette too? Because that's kind of what did it for me. I hate his eyes. There's just something <laughs> about David Arquette that's annoying. I don't. Know. I just hate his eyes. I'm like, you just look weird. Like, why are you why are you smizing at me for, bro? Can you stop? I just remember him from this movie that I saw before this when I was a kid, like The Road Killers. It was this really bad like thriller in the desert. And he was a whiny little asshole in that movie. And I think that was the first thing I saw him in. David Arquette has James Franco eyes. Like he does that thing with that James Franco always does where they're just always smiling even when thing, think nothing's funny. Or they're just like... <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> like James Franco always does that thing where he's always smiling. And it's like... But it's not... That's true. It's not like happy. It's just like kind of sinister. Just like David Arquette, dude. It's like a weird sinister. I'm always smiling because I just killed somebody. Anyways, we digress. So, <laughs> just shitting on one of the main characters. <laughs> yeah, Sydney ends up getting up out of there because Dewey takes her to his house with Tatum, so that she has somewhere to stay for the night. Because obviously, she's traumatized once again, uh, rehashing old wounds. <laughs> and because mm-hmm. Tatum pulls up, and that I little, love Tatum's that red bug. beetle. Yeah, that bug. <laughs> it's so cute. It's so cute. It matches her style, you know. And then once again. In her citrus power suit, Gail is on the scene. Oh, yes. <laughs> trying to get to the tea. Yeah, she's like, she, she says to Kenny, her cameraman, she's like, Jesus, Kenny, hurry up. And he's like, or Jesus, hurry up. And she's, and he's like, my name isn't Jesus. <laughs> I don't know why that line always stands out to me. 
she's just berating him too and body shaming him this whole movie get your fat ass out <laughs> yeah, she's so mean to him she's terrible to him Gail basically goes to assault Tatum. <laughs> she's just up at everybody's face. Like, I love Courtney Cox in this movie so uh-huh. much. Because you hate, at this point in the series, like, we haven't gotten to love Gail yet. Uh-huh. If I mean, I love her because I've seen all the movies now, and she's just a great character. But, like, if you're just watching this for the first time, I feel like we're supposed to still think yeah, Gail's annoying movie, Yeah, the point. first movie, you're supposed to hate Gail. Yeah, and she's just like, she's so good at being obnoxious, and she's just pestering Tatum, and mm-hmm. Tatum just blows her off and calls her a pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Kenny finally shows up, and she's, yeah, she's like, move your fat tub of lard ass now! <laughs> yeah, she's like, when I say hurry, I mean that. Like, she's yeah. just so mean to him. She's so mean. So they're at the police station where Raptor sneeze, chopping it up with 12, and they're like, we can get you up. Because she's like, is it a fucking circus out there? Like, everybody's going to be all up in my face. And they're like, we'll get you out the back. So they're trying to sneak uh, Sydney out the back, all low-key. And guess who's out the back? Gail. <laughs> right there. <laughs> fucking right there with the camera and a microphone ready to get up in somebody's face. And she gets up in Sydney's face. And Sydney's like... She's basically asking her about uh, explaining yeah, her mom's death. Dead. Yeah, explaining Sydney's mom's death. And Sydney's pressing her about that. Like, you wrote a book about my mama before the body was even cold. Like, bitch, I know what, what time it is with you. And Gail is like, um, mm, well, since we're going now, let me press you back a little bit. And was like, my book is on, is on, is on sale, girl. Go to your local Barnes & Nobles if you want to cop it. And Sydney punches her in the face. She's like, I'll send you a copy and get yeah. decked. Yeah, she's and decked. lays her banana looking ass out because she's dressed like a banana. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, for whatever reason, my notes say David Arquette kind of greasy too. I don't know why they say that, but I guess I felt in my spirit it's to that know. that wispy little mustache. Yeah, I felt That's in my notes, I guess, on my mushroom trip to note that David Arquette looks greasy. So, uh, <laughs> so I guess uh, Sydney is back at the Cribbington with Tatum, um, and they're having a little uh, pre or post trauma slumber party. And Tatum is going back over the um, she got hands details, and she's running it back like a world star video, like girl. And then you said boom, and then you was like mink, 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 and you socked her up, and <laughs> yeah. and Sydney's just like yeah, she's I like guess. Sid, yeah. super bitch, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> hyping her up. I love a girlfriend that can yeah. run back the details and hype you up for whooping some ass. That was well-deserved. Tatum is a fucking hilarious, too, though. She was sassing the shit out of Dewey oh, on yeah. their way back here. Oh, like, yeah, talking <laughs> all this shit to him. She was so sassy, and she, like, told him that the janitor was his superior. She totally <laughs> emasculated him in front of all of his coworkers, and they were all laughing at him, and I was like, oh. She don't give but a fuck about like, her goofy brother. Because she knows how goofy this nigga is. She is not. Resp- she doesn't give a fuck that he's a cop, and I'm like, no. Tatum is a cab. Good for her. She don't give a shit. Yeah, Tatum is Tatum. She just is there for self, which is very on brand. Um, 
my notes just say not the killer calling her at a friend's house because uh, mm-hmm. Cindy and Tatum are chapping it up and then uh, Tatum's mama's like Cindy you got a call and she's like oh it's probably my dad and she's like I don't think so and it's like well bitch who's calling your house you the mama you need to know my mama always knows who's calling know. our house why didn't you ask especially yeah, if you, you know ask. you know this girl is going through some shit with niggas trying to you know many men wish death upon me <laughs> like holy shit and she's a minor yeah and then and so she answers the phone and it's the killer and Sydney's you know worked up and scared and you know the the mom runs and tells goofy or whatever the fuck his name is but why did he run out with a gun do we he comes running out of the room with a gun like nigga you finna shoot I the know. telephone pole like well, because I think Tatum emasculated him and he has to prove that he's got everything handled. He's the cop with a gun. I think that's what that is. That is why I could never unsee Doofy from Scary Movie when I looked at David Arquette. I was like, this stupid ass nigga. They, I know. Did they really parody him? Like, it wasn't too far of a stretch. <laughs> Good God. Yeah, no, it wasn't. That's, I, I even wrote here, I'm like, I was just waiting for Doofy to come out with the fucking vacuum cleaner that he was fucking. <laughs> but then yeah um so we shortly find out that uh dewey tells us that billy was released because of the phone records it was not matching up the math was not mathing billy was somewhere Mm -hmm. else and so sydney shook she's like fuck gotta see this nigga again we found out we found out at the police station before this that they can't find Sydney's dad. That yeah. he hadn't checked in to mm-hmm. his hotel. So they're like, uh-oh. Now she's like, my dad's missing. And I'm getting, I, I put like the wrong guy in there. Uh, like, I feel like they're, they're trying to make us think that her dad could be the killer mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, and then next thing you know, did you see the other, who the other news lady was? It's Linda Blair. It is Linda Blair. Yeah, we're at school, outside of school the next day, and she is aggressive. Yeah. This woman is very aggressive. She's, like, worse than Gail. Yeah, she's like, how does it feel to be almost brutally butchered? America wants to know how it feels. I'm like, this is very Nancy Grace. America needs to know. <laughs> she was so aggressive. Did you know your mother was a slut? <laughs> Do you think that they did that on purpose with Linda Blair, considering, like, you know, they're just, like, hamming it up? Oh, yeah. I mean, Linda Blair has a reputation for being a pretty intense person. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, to say the least, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They did a number on her, The Exorcist, and she took that personally. (laughs) Uh, So then we get another iconic suit by Gail. Oh, yeah, we do. (laughs) Did you notice that uh, when they tried to cover up her black eye, it just looked like she had dirt on her face? It did. That was terrible makeup. Yeah, that makeup was so bad. Is, is this the red and white suit? Yeah. Oh, God. It's so good. It's, like, kind of nautical looking. Yeah, but it also kind of looks like a paper doll suit, too. Like, you know what I mean? Like. It's got, it's a very 90s with the chunky button and the, the Like large, the white like, stitching. stitching. Yeah. Yeah. It does have, the, it almost looks like Coraline-esque. Just, like, it's the buttons. Like, uh-huh. I get what you're saying. Uh-huh. The paper doll thing. But, mm-hmm. yeah, she uh, gets another confrontation with Cindy Got Hands and 
they have like a real back and forth at this point because Gail's already pissed that she got punched in the face and she got to hide it and it looks like dirt. And Sydney's pissed because <laughs> she just almost lost her life again and she's getting threatened over the phone. She's finding all this info out. Her niggas out of jail that she put in jail. Like it's a mess. These both these bitches is a mess. And so they just have nothing yeah. to lose and they going back and forth. And um, Gail is like, "Do you think your mom's killer is really your mom's killer, Cotton? Because he did a lot of time and I did a lot of research." And the math ain't math in Miss Mama. And Sydney was like, I stand by my mom and everything she did. And my mom was not a slut. You're a slut. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's not exactly obviously how it went, but in my head on mushrooms, that's how it went. So, <laughs> Gail was basically like, yeah, Sydney insists that, that her, that Cotton Weary killed her mom. Because mm-hmm. we saw. We saw like some little clip on the, yeah, we saw like a little clip of the, you know, a new story about the trial saying that Cotton was the one accused of raping and killing Sydney's mom. Oh yeah. And then when she says that to Gail, that she believes that Cotton's still the killer, Gail's like, you're not so sure anymore. Yeah. Doubt, putting that doubt in her heart. Yeah. And you could see in, Nev Campbell's good at selling this moment. You could see in Sydney's eyes that she's now doubting herself and she's just like, sorry, I mangled your face. And yeah. walks away. Because Gail's eating that shit up. She's like, I got you shook, bitch. Yeah, Gail is excited. She's like turning around to fucking poor Kenny. And yeah. just like. Did you get that on she's camera? Like, if I'm right about this. <laughs> yeah. You think she's going to be. Yeah. she's. You think she's going to be like a real human being for a second? Because she's like, if I'm right about this, I could save a man's life. Dot, dot, dot. Do you know what that could do for my book sales? And you're like, oh, right. <laughs> yeah, she's, she's a horrible person. Thirsty. Thirsty. The overly ambitious 90s female reporter. <laughs> and that's another thing. She thinks Sydney lied about, um, like, seeing Cotton leave and shit, too, which is fucked up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's like, I think you saw someone wearing that coat. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily Cotton. Yeah, but at school, they're continuing to terrorize Sydney because she's in the hallway and talking to Tatum, Tatum and shit. And then these kids run through the hallway with the ghost face mask on. I'm just trying to, like scare her and Sydney just walks away just like oh I'm so over this and like runs right into Billy's arms and that's so gross and creepy Mm -hmm. yeah because I feel like Stu makes a stupid joke he says like the place is like a circus and then she runs away into Billy's arms and Tatum is just like stupidity leak and she whacks him in the face with a lollipop I'm like damn like that was like it hurt yeah I just, yeah, I mean, he's an asshole, so, and I, I love Tatum, so I don't, I don't give a shit, but I'm like, that, that looks painful. I know, but I feel like they have rough sex. They seem like a weird, creepy couple. They, yeah, they do. I can see that. But then, yeah, Billy was like, like, Sydney's super jumpy, and Billy's like, you still don't trust me? It's like, nigga, you are the last one to be talking about trust right now. Your eyes do not help your case. Like, don't ask me shit about Tress, weirdo. Well, and does this motherfucker not shower? He's like, he's showing her the ink on his fingers, like, you know, being like, I couldn't have been the one that called you last night because I was in jail. And he, he shows, shows her his, hand. Shows her his hand. I'm like, did you not take a fucking bath? Did you just come like, straight? Did you just to come school to school from, from jail? Yes, because look at him. He's a dirty nigga. I've been calling him greasy this whole movie. <laughs> like he's a dirty little nigga. So they're having a, a talk, and at this point, this is where he's like peak dirty nigga because he's like, Sydney, mm-hmm. our relationship hasn't been the same for over a year. Like it has, things haven't been the same. And she's like, well, what do you expect? Like my mom died, and he's like, get over it. Like it's been a year, nigga. 
He's like, I have a girlfriend that would rather call me a psychopathic killer than touch me. I'm ah, like, and then she's like, Billy, you what insensitive the f- douche. Yeah, and he's like, dude, what? How do you like? I don't. He's like, my mom left and I'm fine. And she's like, nigga, your mom bailed. Like, my mom is dead. That's two different circumstances. And it's like, my notes just say, it's been a year. Get over it. I'm horny because <laughs> that's what he said. <laughs> like. Bitch, it is. my dick my dick is hard and your mama's dead. So what are we gonna do? Like, what the fuck? He's like, get over it and get under me. Okay. That's suck, what he's saying. Suck my dick. <laughs> Stop crying. <laughs> Yeah. And then she gets uh, all upset and she's like, I'm sorry, me and my traumatized life are an inconvenience to you and your perfect existence. And then she does that weak ass run. You get a hint movie. of her of her like accent to come mm-hmm. when she says existence she has a very specific way of saying that like when she will later go on to say in other scream films who is this like it's such a specific way of speaking that i love it. i like hearing it pop out <laughs> it's funny and then we get uh, henry winkler he's the principal being a total asshole like okay i understand that these kids <laughs> the were wrong to run yeah these are the kids who like ran through the hall just as Ghostface. but he like assaults them with a pair of scissors like big ass scissors them big ass industrial scissors that are sharp yeah Ooh. and he also likes that he when he's like scolding them at first he says your entire thieving whoring generation disgusts me i'm like this is a like, <laughs> Boomer bullshit. He's going in on them and they're like, that's what cable knit sweater that nigga had on that green one. Um that he was about to oh, cut right. up, which I was like, you could cut that sweater, Winkler. That's okay. That's an ugly ass sweater. I'm like, if honestly, do boomers actually think that our generation is more thieving and whoring than theirs was? <sighs> they lived during the disco days. Right. There was no more thieving and whoring than them. Yeah. So I'm sorry. Yeah, no, true Fuck that. Fuck you, Mr. Hembry. So yeah, he's he's trying to scare them and threaten them and shit. Now Sydney goes into the bathroom. Yeah. And over here is two, like, girls, like, one cheerleader and one clueless reject. <laughs> That's what I wrote for her. <laughs> Very accurate description. Yeah, she's like Budget Amber from Clueless. And... They're like impl- the the cheerleaders like implying that Sydney might be the killer because she's a slut just like her mother. I'm like the amount of slut shaming is just intense, and she's like basically implying that Sydney would have snapped on the anniversary of her mom's death, and that teen suicide is out this year, and homicide is a much healthier therapeutic expression. And the uh, budget Amber is like, where do you get this shit? And she's like. Ricky Lake. <laughs> I loved Ricky Lake. I used to watch it with my mom in the 90s. It was so trash. I still watch it sometimes on YouTube. And I think I think the Nosy app still has it. I don't know, but I used to watch it on there too. But it was so good because it used to come on um, in the summertime when I would stay real late. It used to come on at like 1 in the morning. And then again mm-hmm. in the afternoon, I love watching it. I got so into Ricky Lake. Yeah, I liked her and Sally Jesse Raphael. I liked her and Jenny Jones. <laughs> I like Jenny Jones too. Yeah, Jenny was good. I like them all. It's also trashy, and eventually I grew out of it because it became like it all started to become way too scripted and obvious. Well, yeah. <laughs> when it was a little, when it was before the Springer show got too wild and Maury got too wild, like uh-huh. it was all of these shows I loved so much. It was kind of like wrestling up until I realized it was fake. It was good. I still liked it after I found out it was fake. I liked wrestling from like age 10 to. Like 15 or 16. And then I was over it. But I liked it for a while. 
I think um the I think the wrestling to drag pipeline is real. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like that's there the is thing. a lot of pageantry. Yeah, okay. there's a, a lot of overlap. There was a storyline in WWF in maybe like 2000, mm-hmm. ni- late 90s, early 2000s, where Mark Henry, who was like, I forgot what they called him, but he was just like a 400 pound suave black man. Mm-hmm. I think it was sexual chocolate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like it was sexual chocolate. If I'm making that up, uh, I'm going to edit this out, but I'm pretty sure it was sexual chocolate. But anyway, he had a fucking like love affair with one of the like 70 year old female wrestlers who was like retired, but they had like a love affair. And then she gave birth on like a fucking episode to a hand. Holy shit. What? To a hand. And it was clearly like a plastic hand or a rubber hand. But I'm like, what kind of fucking, what is this? Like wrestling was crazy. (laughs) And it had nothing to do with what was in the ring. No, nothing (laughs) at all. All the sides, little storylines and shit to keep you entertained was so ridiculous. And like, Oh God! It's basically untucked. Yeah, no, like, like, that's what It was all about the costumes and um, the pageantry and and the half naked men. Yeah, the yeah. half naked men too. And the bad bitches <laughs> with the long ponytails that was getting dragged around the, mm-hmm. the ring too. Because I always loved like the girls. Me too. I loved Lita and Trish Stratus. Yes, and he was sexual chocolate. Just so you know. Okay, good. Okay, cool. Uh-huh. You got it right. Because I'm like, that, this sounds like a bad nickname, but it was the 90s, and that's what just, they called it. I just, like, always... I remember I got into wrestling because I saw Triple H, and I thought he was so cute, and then I started following wrestling through that, and then I started getting into, like, others. And I followed wrestling from when I was, like, 10 to, like, yeah, maybe, like, 15, 14. Yeah, so the same time in our lives, basically. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't do this shit no more. And then I turned 20-something. I was like, oh, there's drag. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Ooh, this is great. Um, but anyways, back to um, Scream. Uh, where yeah. were we? <laughs> um, this is where we get the one black character in the entire movie. Yeah, <laughs> who's yeah, yeah, a reporter. Yeah. And she's basically like, she, they're using her as an example of like exploitative, shitty like reporting. Wait, no. Did we talk about the perfect bat? The perfect bathroom slide that Neve did to get out of the bathroom when the killer's feet dropped down in the bathroom stall. Oh, no. I, I did. I skipped that. Because after those two girls, I forgot. Oh, my God. See, we, we talked about wrestling. Ricky and, Lake. And Ricky Lake. And I forgot what the fuck, where we were. Um, holy shit. So, and the edible is also kicking in that I took. I forgot I took a peach um, standard indica edible gummy. So, I am soaring so after those two girls that were talking shit about Sydney left the bathroom, Sydney hears uh, feet under one of the stalls, and what, eventually, like the guy comes out of the stall. The stall. Oh my god, my New York accent was flying out of because I heard I was stool. About to say, out of the stall. Holy shit! <laughs> Sometimes it just happens. It does. He comes out of the first stall and she does a crazy like fucking slide to first or slide to home. Dude, to get out of, she crushes To this. get out of the bathroom. I'm like, is that a stunt double? I hope Nev Campbell just did that shit herself. I know, that was smooth. But then we cut to her, uh, the only black character in the whole movie who is this reporter going basically like, who's next? You know, just being like an exploitative 
vulture of a reporter, basically. It's, you know, <laughs> sensationalizing shit. I think that this movie is definitely condemning the media, like, especially with Gail's character. Um, speaking of Gail, we get Gail, basically Gail approaches Dewey outside of the school and she's flirting with him in order to get information about the case. My note said, Gail's fucking for leads. <laughs> <laughs> is fucking for leads yeah she is playing on the fact that dewey seems like a fucking moron yeah so she's like i'm good i can i can play him mm-hmm. so that's exactly what she does and she, she she's trying to get information on sydney's father and if he's been found and dewey basically tells her that he can't tell her a lot but that they haven't found him or whatever yeah no he tells her without telling her yeah yeah, and then she's, like, so fucking tactless here, but I kind of love it because she calls the killer a serial killer, and Dewey's like, well, no, he needs to knock off a couple more to get that title. And and Gail's like, we can sure hope so, or something like that. <laughs> They're just trying to make her look like, again, just like a vulture of a reporter. Yeah. Tasteless. Senseless. She just wants a fucking story. She don't give a shit. They're making her look sick. But also, she's just, Courtney Cox plays it so well that I still like her. Like, you can't help it. Gail is great. I know, Gail's so she's thirsty, crazy, but, but she, she's great. she dresses great, and she's just like, she knows what she wants. <laughs> mm-hmm. Kind of like, did you ever see Courtney Cox's show from, like, 2007, Dirt? Oh! Where she, like, ran, like, a tabloid magazine, yeah. I think. I love that fucking show. Uh-huh. It was corny, but I loved it. It was short-lived, but I remember that. Yeah, I think it was only two seasons, mm-hmm. maybe, but or maybe it was just one, one or two. I don't know, but I liked it. Anyway, yeah. So a- as they're flirting, <laughs> um, we overhear that school is canceled and that there's a 9 p.m. curfew put in place. So all the students are happy as shit. They're walking all they're, now. They're all like walking home, and I even I wrote this earlier, but I mentioned it again that again Tatum's outfit like she is in these red oh jeans God, with like white stripes it. down the side, and like a like a crop top t shirt that's kind Kinda of like, like a, a jersey like a jersey yeah like a jersey and it's silver mm-hmm. it's so great and she has like her little pigtails they're braided mm-hmm. it's cute it's super cute. Every look her and Gail have in this are iconic. Mm-hmm. For different reasons. <laughs> for different mm-hmm. reasons, for sure. But, yeah. Cindy, you could only dream of being that iconic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe if you get out of the fucking elderly section of Jay-Z Penny. Okay? <laughs> She's still shopping in the Sears catalog. She's going around to hospitals and taking the nightgowns out of the rooms of people who just died. That's where she's getting her fucking clothes. <laughs> because those look like deathbed 90s. Mm-hmm. Burn That's it. hospice couture. God, burn it down. Burn it. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Uh, right, so Stu announces that he's throwing a party and shit, so they're all going to head there later. And then we cut to Principal Hembry, you know, doing his hair, being the Fonz, <laughs> um, searching around the office because he hears some shit. And then we get that shot of Wes Craven as the janitor in the Freddy Krueger sweater, which is a... A cute little cameo by him. Mm-hmm. Then he goes back into his office and the killer was behind the door and he just gets hacked the fuck up. <laughs> and you can tell that the killer is enjoying killing 
<laughs> this motherfucker. Yeah, so he stabbed the Fonz up. And it was funny because the Fonz was doing the, he was like role playing in the killer's drag because he had the mask and he was holding it up and pretending to like oh, yeah. stab in the air yeah, and he shit. Did do that. And it was so funny. And then he got killed. Yeah, I was like, you hypocrite. You were being ghost faced too. Mm hmm. But yeah, that shot though, like of after he gets stabbed and he's on the ground, you see like in his, it's a shot of his eye and you see the reflection of Ghostface in his eye. It's a really cool shot. Yeah, it's super creepy. Because I love this movie and the screenplay is very clever, but I would say that the cinema, like it, this movie doesn't have a lot of visual flair to it. So I like that. I like we get, I like that we at least get moments like this. A few sophisticated moments. Cool eye shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like people describe this movie as elevated camp. I'm like, it's not that elevated. It's just good. <laughs> <laughs> but like the sound mixing and editing in this movie are terrible. Like I, I have a couple notes about it later. And just like the choices of the clips that they use sometimes, like just to be the background noises or the things that the people <laughs> in the background say. I'm like, why? Why? Like at this party? Yeah. But yeah, so they are. So th my notes are funny because my notes are like, uh, there's a killer on the loose, and so they throw a party. I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. don't y'all know y'all finna die then? Like, everybody in town is dying. You think you're exempt? That's exactly what's going on with COVID right now. Like, <laughs> everyone's like, not me though. I'm built different. Like, everybody at this party thinks they are built different. And that they will not die. They're, so. they're setting, I, I feel like it's another meta cue from the movie, I think. They're like, these people are setting up their own deaths. They're being just as stupid as people that yeah. they watch in the horror movies that they like. For sure. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, so. yeah, they, <laughs> I love this moment too, because we get like, uh, Tatum's dialogue is so funny. Yeah, they're talking about Sid's mom's like case and all that stuff and the rumors about it and... She's like, she's she's basically implying that there were rumors that Sid's mom was <laughs> with a lot of men in town, <laughs> like not just Cotton. Like she's basically like she's saying it in a nice way, but she's like, she's like your mom was a hoe. Yeah, your best friend advocated yeah. for your mom was hoeing. Like, god damn it, everybody in town knows. <laughs> Yo, mama a hoe. Did you know that? Did you know? Hey, Sydney, your mama a hoe. Your mama a hoe, girl. Did you know she was sucking dick? <laughs> She was fucking on everybody, <laughs> like girl. Every five minutes. Hey, girl, did you know? Did you know? <laughs> did you know? Because we put to remind you. And your then, mama was a hoe. Your mama <laughs> was a hoe, girl. That's how you got here. <laughs> did you know that might not be your daddy? Like, holy shit. <laughs> Stop, okay? Yeah, she talks about, what does Tatum say? Oh, she talks about, like, how you have to believe rumors <laughs> and, and, like, if you hear them so much. She's like, that you, every, you know, there's so many, so many times you could hear the Richard... Gear Gear journal story, story before you start believing it, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay. I said, how 90s? Because everyone in the 90s knows that Richard Gear story. And is it true? Was he really yeah. putting rats up his ass? <laughs> 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 Probably. <laughs> Honestly, there's some stuff in like blind items that turn out to be true that are way more fucked up than putting rats in your ass <laughs> like that people in Hollywood do. Do you remember when I when we used to get high when we lived in the same city? I used to make you tell me like blind items. Oh yeah, when we were in the Balboa Park, high as hell eating our sandwiches. My favorite thing you guys to do with Chris would get so cuz he's like in the loop and that stuff and I like I used to be on like Lipstick Alley, so I know how to like black entertainment <laughs> gossip and the reality TV bullshit, but 
Chris knows like real Hollywood tea <laughs> and I would get so high and I would just make him give me the rundown of like the juicy stuff. It was so guys, so much fun. I wish we, we need to do that again soon. I know. I would love to eat a sandwich on FaceTime with you and you give me the blind items. Oh yeah. Oh, we could do that. That'd be so cute. <laughs> there's, there's sprouts in Las Vegas. There right? is. There is. There's one right down okay. the street from my house. Same here. We can revive our dates. <laughs> Anyways. Yes. Yeah, back to back to Scream. <laughs> so Sydney says after, you know, Tatum calls her mama ho that if she's wrong about Cotton being the killer, then the killer is still out there. And Tatum's like, you're starting to sound like you're in a West Carpenter flick or something. I'm like, cute. But also Wes Carpenter just like doesn't roll off the tongue for me. Like I get it. Wes Craven, John Carpenter. <laughs> but I do like that. It, Cause it's like, you know, poking fun. Everyone confuses Wes Carpenter. God, John Carpenter <laughs> and Wes Craven. Cause they think like mm-hmm. Wes Craven did Halloween and shit. So it's just like another way that the movie is making fun of itself. The premise, yeah, it's everybody true. in it. Like they were constantly talking referencing Halloween. So I thought that part was so funny. And it's a it's a cute it's a cute way to say hi to the horror the real horror fans you know. Mm-hmm, that's true. Then we immediately see that ooh in the bushes by Sid's house is Ghostface. Mm-hmm. We get like a, just a random shot of him chilling, like out a there. Chucky pan. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Um, and now we're at the video store. Randy and Stu are talking. Randy mentions that it's in poor taste that Billy, who's also inexplicably in the store at the same time, is standing in the horror section and he basically te- he, i think he says exactly this to Stu. he's like he has killer printed all over his forehead and he you know he does his little spiel about horror movie tropes and formulas and saying everyone's a fucking suspect and the police need to watch prom night if they wanted to actually like solve what was happening that reference too with jamie lee curtis mm-hmm. like that's funny yeah clearly everyone involved loved halloween um Stu tries to, like, point the conversation to Sydney's dad. And Randy's like, no, he's just a red her- herring, and it's Billy. And then he turns around, and Billy's fucking right there. Yeah, I'm he like, confronts Billy's Randy. always fucking popping up. This nigga did it. That's what my notes say verbatim. <laughs> yeah, he's not really making a good case for himself. At <laughs> all. The movie isn't really ever, like, even the first time I saw this. Actually, I don't remember, because I saw this movie when I was, like, 11. Same. I saw it, I think I was, like, 9 when I first saw it. I saw it in theaters. Yeah, there's never really too much doubt that it's that Billy is the killer or is one of the killers. But yeah. again, I don't know if they were really trying to hide it. <laughs> I was gonna say I don't think it was one of those things. They obviously wanted it to like because it's it's a part of the formula to have a little mystery and make you think like because them right. having mm-hmm. you know Sydney's dad and also there's these other people who could possibly be involved because you're still got cotton and stuff. So I understand them wanting to have like that mystery, but it is apparent and obvious throughout the whole thing. Billy is not even playing down how like sinister he is, like not even trying to. Yeah, they're like playing off of the idea that if you make him look like the killer so much that the audience might think that you're trying to trick us again. Uh So we're like, oh, he's he can't be the killer. They're making it so obvious. There's no way he could be. But no, it is. Yeah. They're twisting a lot of tropes on their head. Obviously, that's. The point of a lot of this movie. Yeah. So Randy basically like shits his pants when when Billy confronts him. He basically admits that even he could be the killer. And they ask him like what his motive would be. And he's like, it's the millennium. 
motives are incidental and it's like oh what a 90s fucking line that is right <laughs> my notes just say beefing at the blockbuster because they just doing because randy's getting loud now and they're just going back and forth over who done it and we all know who did it <laughs> uh, and then my yeah. thing when Tatum and them are um Tatum and Sid and Dewey are driving in this car, I said this music is so fucking stupid. Was it a song or just a score? Yet? It's it's the song that's playing when they when they pull up. Uh, when Tatum, Dewey, and Sydney are all in the car pulling up, I think at the police station, and it's this weird like not it's like this weird western music that's playing because i think it's like they're off the sheriff's station it's so bad it's so bad it's so annoying too but i'm like there's a lot of bad music cues in this it's so there's a lot of bad it's stuck out there's some cool ones but there's a lot of bad ones yeah that's when i think as they're getting in that car or is it right i don't know if it's It's after i think because we get that tori spelling joke (laughs) oh yeah no that's what i was gonna say she's like if they made a movie about this, they, like I feel like Dewey was like, I see you as a young Meg Ryan myself. And she's like, yeah, with my luck, they'd cast me as Tori Spelling. <laughs> they'd cast Tori Spelling. And I'm like, if you've seen Scream 2, you know that uh-huh. in Stab, they cast Tori Spelling. So uh-huh. yuck, yuck. I love that. They, I'm glad that they followed through with it. <laughs> so now they're in the convenience store. They're like, Sid and Tatum are getting shit for the party. And we just, and they're like, just, I don't know, I don't remember, nothing really happens, but we just see, like, Ghostface's reflection in one of the mirrors, like, of the freezer doors in the convenience store, and you're like, no one sees this? Like, this motherfucker's just walking around the store. Dressed in all black with the mask on and nobody says anything? Okay, all right, y'all I know, I'm like, these people are, everybody's just fucking asking for it in this town. No one's, they are not seeing and saying something. They are just idiots or apathetic i don't know (laughs) like they want to die yeah so while they're in the store the sheriff tells dewey that the calls came from sid's dad's phone and they're like thinking that oh tomorrow is the anniversary of maureen his wife's death so thinking that like they're still trying to put in our in the back of our minds maybe it's Sid's dad motivated by his wife's death Mm -hmm. the death of his slut wife (laughs) yeah how many times do we hear that Maureen's a slut? Yeah, and then we also get a little bit of a, um, this is a moment for the gaze that we get, because Dewey is eating ice cream and looking at another man in his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Gay. And, and I'm like, ooh, they should kiss. Well, <laughs> that's his father. Is that his, is the sheriff their dad? In real life, I think so. <laughs> Like Wait, in real life, not David Arquette's related to the to the sheriff in real life. The sheriff's name is Louis Arquette, and the, uh, that's his name. So what? I'm like, maybe I'm wrong. I'm looking it up now. I'm like, yeah, he died a long like twenty years ago. Now, How many but... famous Arquettes are there? Yeah, no, he is. Yeah, that is that is David Arquette's father. So I don't think I I would hope that there was no gay subtext there. God damn it. Life. That's father and son. <laughs> How many Arquettes are there? There's Patricia. There's David. Apparently the dad. Isn't there another sister? There's Alexis. And then... Rosanna. Rose- yeah, there's Alexis Richmond, who I guess is the not famous Arquette. Um, David, Patricia, and Rosanna. 
Oh yeah, Alexis was on reality TV for a little bit. I think she was on Surreal Surreal Life. She was, and she was in The Wedding Singer. Rest in peace. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. R.I.P. R.I.P. Damn, there's a lot of. Are they like the Baldwins? Where there's just like a bunch I mean, of them. There, yeah, there's five of these. There's five Arcats. Five of these, like they're fucking. Yeah, commemorative plates. <laughs> um, commemorative plates. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't. It, it was, I guess it wasn't gay. I wanted them to be gay. I wanted it because he was he was eating the shit out of that ice cream, looking him in his eyes, and I was like, yeah, this is gay. But it wasn't. I just think it's because I think it's more of a comment on that Dewey is just very immature. Well, he's, like, he's eating, eating ice cream, ice cream like a kid, and, yeah. and talking about like homicide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just trying to be like. He doesn't know better. Like he's he's so he's dumb. naive. Yeah. Yeah. He's stu- he's stupid. <laughs> but then I said not twelve. Dropping him off at the party when there's a curfew in place because the curfew is at nine, right? Yeah. But they do at the end of the movie go home at nine. I think it must be like winter or something because okay, because it, it looks get mad early. Early. Yeah, I think it must get dark early because it's like the sun is setting at this point, right? It's like. It's like light out, but it's not. Okay, okay, because I was like, they got hell of yeah. shit done. They were able to set this party up and get it all done by nine. Because if you get out of school, you get out of school around two or three, and then you go to the store. Yeah, I think they just went to the store and then went right to the party after school. All right, all right, that's a lot. But also, when Kenny, when Kenny and Gail drive up to the fucking house, that's weird. Kenny litters. Yeah. Just like, why like, are you grown ass adults at this party? This is weird. I don't care how, how much tea you think you're gonna get from this. Y'all, y'all niggas is y'all niggas is too old to be there. Yeah, it's really obvious. Like, no one thinks you're there to just like everyone knows why you're fucking there. Gail thinks she's slick, and she is not. Not at all. Not at all. People bend to her because they don't want to fucking deal with her. She's a Karen. Yeah. Like they're just like, oh my god, not 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 this one. I cannot deal with this one. Uh-uh. So they just like placate her. She clearly takes that as that she's slick. It's not that at all. But she gets up in the party anyways. I think via Dewey too, huh? Yeah, she like, she basically grills her a little bit in his doofy way about why she's there. And she's like, I don't know. She basically says that she thinks that a story might break. And he's like, this is just a party. Like, there's nothing to see here. But then she like wants to go in and check out the party with him. And he says, yes. I'm like, okay. like Stupid. Are you trying to get rid of her or not? <laughs> like, you are, I think she's just, she's just clearly playing him again. Because she sneaks a camera in there. Mm-hmm. Which is actually, it's, it's sneaky as fuck, but it, it helps. It does help, actually. Um, then they go in the house and everyone's like fucking gawking at her and shit. Yeah. Tatum is annoyed that she's there. Um, Sid is going through the movies that they have and she asks why Jamie Lee Curtis is Curtis is in all of them and Randy calls her a scream queen which Mm -hmm. is accurate but then Stu's like she has a great pair of lungs and Tatum is like tits and it's like yeah I mean but um yeah so they like are (laughs) it is funny because every movie has Jamie Lee Curtis in it but yeah she is a great scream queen anyways Tatum ends up going to the to the garage to get more beer for the pot Ugh. Ugh. Nipple town. Yeah. As soon as she opens that garage door, you are like, those nipples are present. Hi, Venus. Yeah. Full mast. Um, 
That outfit, though, oh my god! She every fucking look, she is serving it. In what this. was the garage outfit? It wasn't another pale shirt. I forgot what she dyed in, but it was, was it the blue? No, she had like a pale green, a cap sleeve t shirt or like sleeveless t- short sleeve t shirt with a little turtleneck, and like an orange psychedelic skirt. Oh yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm looking at it now. And like with her, like. She has a very interesting dye job. It's like a strawberry blonde dye job, Mm -hmm. but you didn't really see many strawberry blonde. I feel like people were usually like that, that highlighted blonde, like Gail's hair yeah, or like bleach blonde. So I feel like this hair stood out. She had really pale skin and that really vibrant skirt with Mm -hmm. that green top. Like she looks great here. So at least she dyed in a, in a iconic outfit. Yeah. That skirt was perfect. It's like, yeah, it's super psychedelic. Yeah, it's like halfway from the, you know, it's like thigh, it's like a couple inches above the knee, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she goes in there, she's at the door of the fridge, and she hears the door close behind her. It's locked. I like that she, like, when she knocks, she's just like, hey, shitheads. Like, I, <laughs> she's always sassy. She, like, she don't even give a shit. Nope. Um, then she tries to leave through the garage door, but as she gets to it, it closes halfway and she turns around and there's Ghostface. Mm-hmm. So she walks right up to him again. This is, yeah, she thinks it's Randy, of course, the jokester. <laughs> and she's just like, that's when she does the line that's I, the iconic line that's made more iconic or even more iconic by Shannon. Not more iconic when Shannon Elizabeth does it, but she builds upon the iconness of it in Scary Movie with the whole like, oh, do you want to murder me, Ghostface? Like, whatever she does, you know, her little coy. Oh, you yeah, want to play she's psycho like killer? taunting That's him. Yeah, and they cut off her head and mm-hmm. she's still talking. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> this in this movie, Rose McGowan says, you want to you want to play psycho killer? And I'm really high now. Um, He cuts her. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He cuts her on the arm after, like, she calls him, like, fucking Casper and he's, like, really holding on to her. Then she hits him in the face with the fucking freezer door because he comes after her. She throws beer bottles at him. She hits him in the balls with one of them. And then I think in the face or in the chest or something. Mm-hmm. Like, she is fighting hard. But then she makes the error that we all know. <sighs> she tries to fit those tiggle bitties through that little cat door. Like, your titties was not going to fit in there, bitch. What the fuck? You're a big titty McGowan. What are you doing? No, they just... She she got I think she got one boob and one arm in. <laughs> but, she but when she tried to get out, both titties was stuck on the other side. It was like, see them tickle bitties <laughs> got you stuck, bitch. Oh yeah, and I think I don't think her arms got through. I think she was like stuck by the shoulders and tits mm-hmm. were, were were holding her in there. And I'm not even sure what is the thing that killed. I mean, clearly her face getting mushed, like whatever the fuck that was supposed to be that rubber mask like, yeah because they like smashed sideways like a deflated basketball it was hella funny <laughs> yeah. yeah there was no blood it was so silly Mm-mm. looking so yeah her like her life-size barbie face just squishes there yep. and then like it sparks i'm like did she i guess she got like her neck broken and electrocuted or whatever the fuck but i'm like is that is a garage door so strong that it could actually fucking snap a neck and smush the face like that because i that's when i got confused with scary movie because remember then the garage door just like crashed and fell on her or whatever i was surprised well, right because that's that scene is just a fat joke yeah in but, scary movie but i'm surprised the garage door is still no matter how much weight that is that's still the weight of a like a 
a lifeless dead body is very heavy. Yeah, she's like a hundred, probably 130 with those boobs. Yeah, so I'd imagine it would still be enough pressure for that flimsy-ass garage door to just, like, fall. You know? Especially if it, like, came off track and stuff. I don't know, it didn't make sense, because I expected the whole thing to just crash. But it didn't, and apparently she was able to just be stuck hanging in there. Yeah, I guess they did. They did not have those uh, those sense automatic sensing garage doors. I guess in this town, uh-huh. everyone is so fucking rich, but the garage door can't sense that a person's neck is in the hole. Whatever, we'll go with it. Right, <laughs> she's dead. <laughs> but Gail and them is watching in the van. Well, at least her cameraman is. He's watching a party from the van. I, my notes say this saved them, even though it's mad weird, because they're just in the van, camped out, watching them have this party. It's like in Never Been Kissed with Drew Barrymore. When um, <laughs> they're all watching her as she's in high school and shit. It's like that, except these people are actually high schoolers. Right before this, that's when we get the stu- the dumbest fucking background line in the movie. Like, again, who came up with these fucking choices for these, like, clips? And they're edited in so poorly, too. There's uh, The kids are leaving the party because of the curfew, or the kids that are, like, obeying the curfew. And one girl just in the background is like, nobody here but us chickens. I'm like, Why? I, lo- I love that song, though. Why? <laughs> Do you think that's what she's referencing? Probably not. But side note, if you want to see something really cute, go on YouTube and look up, um, Ain't nobody, or I think it's called Ain't Nobody Here But Us Chickens. <laughs> it's really cute. But that is not at all what she was talking about. And that is a very dumb line just to randomly throw out there. <laughs> It's a cute little animation. While Gail and Kenny are in the fucking van, Sid and Billy go upstairs and Randy makes a comment like to Stu, uh, there goes my chance with Sid or something. And Stu's like, as if. And Randy's like, oh, really, Alicia? And I'm like, Clues came out in 1995. Like, they yeah. got a quick fucking turnaround they on did. that. They like, did. Like, that was fresh material. That was probably an improvised line that they got in, like, during a... Uh filming you know because yeah that's so quick this movie came out in 96 yeah and this scream had to be filmed in probably probably in 1995 or early 96 because i'm pretty sure it came out around pre-production and all that and shit yeah yeah so i'm like maybe clueless was out in theaters while this was filming yeah one of them just threw that out Mm -hmm. because i'm like that's a really quick turnaround because it there's very little time in there for them to have known that so Mm -hmm. i'm impressed (laughs) so uh then we're back we go back to Gail and Kenny and we find out that there's like a 30 second delay on the camera because it looked like Gail was still in the house when she got there. Sit in the bedroom. Sydney tells Billy that she can't like keep lying to herself about who her mom was. And I'm like, (sighs) like, okay, we get it. Like she can't lie that her mom was this innocent woman, but it just feels like all she's doing is accepting that her mom's a slut. There's No. no, like there's no, justice for Maureen anywhere to be like it doesn't she's never really portrayed as a victim she's portrayed as a victim of the murder but kind of like it feels like the film or at least a lot of these characters think that she deserved it or like she brought it upon herself (sighs) yeah you're right I guess I never really thought about that either but she doesn't get her any redemption no, because Sydney even says to Billy, she's like, I'm afraid of turning out like her. Part, yeah. Like the bad seed. Yeah, yeah. Which which I I love a reference to the movie The Bad Seed, which I hope that was, because that's I think a good it was, one. Yeah. Another uh, a camp classic from nineteen fifty six. Check it out if you have not seen it. It's great. 
Well, yeah, she just says she doesn't want to turn out like her. So it's like Billy has convinced her now that her mom is a slut and was the one that was wrong. And that's why she's holding on to the coochie so hard. Until. Yeah. Then Billy compares Sydney's trauma to Jodie Foster and the Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> and Sydney's like, this is real life. It's not a movie. And Billy's like, no, it's, a, it's all one great big movie. And I'm like... The meta-ness is getting a little intense here, but I Except love it. It's so fucking get to corny. Pick the genre. I'm like, Jesus Christ, here we go, this greasy nigga. Oh yeah. And then she says, What about a porno? Oh my god. <laughs> just take me out of my misery. Shit, nigga, kill me now. I'm just over this. She went from being a virgin to like Oh, just like your mama. <laughs> getting like ho puns up in here. You a slut just like your mama. <laughs> you, you're you're a lineage of hoes. <laughs> God, it's in your blood. Yeah. Then downstairs we get like the the scene where we get Randy explaining all the fucking rules to all the drunk idiots that are still left at the house. You know, one, you can never have sex. Two, you can never drink or do drugs. Three, never say I'll be right back. So Stu says I'll be right back, and I didn't I didn't even notice this until this time too. I mean, I think I did. I just I don't know. I re-realized it while high this time more so than other times that Randy's like, "I'll see you in the kitchen later with a knife," and I'm like, foreshadowing because Stu will be in the kitchen with a knife later. <laughs> very very clever. You can't be black in these movies either. They didn't have that rule because everybody in the room was white, so it didn't apply. That's true. There's pretty much everybody in this movie, again, outside of that one reporter who's on screen for eight seconds mm-hmm. is white. Mm-hmm. Gail and Dewey then, like, go walk down to get, like, I think Dewey got a call about an abandoned car on the road. So Gail and Dewey go to, to walk and investigate that. And I'm like, they walk past, you can see the garage where Tatum, Tatum is where Tatum is hanging in, like, the corner of the shot where they leave the house. And all these other kids have been leaving the house earlier. It's like, not one person turned around and saw that Tatum, nobody like, came to this everyone party just late. walked straight out the house the garage is literally in front of the house it's in front it's like there's no way no one fucking saw everyone in this town is stupid everyone is stupid but it, you know it makes for a better movie because if they were fucking smarter we wouldn't get all this fun carnage so yeah true. here it is so we're back inside and i just love this because they're still watching halloween it feels mm-hmm. like in the timeline of the movie, it feels like Halloween is really being drawn out back there. But uh, Randy's like, look, here comes the obligatory tit shot. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Which immediately, <laughs> and it immediately cuts to Sid and Billy now taking their fucking clothes off. They are ready to do it. And then Randy gets a call that the Fonz is dead and was strung up on the fucking goalpost. And when he tells this shit to the other kids, the two kids that like Himbry threatened with the scissors are in the room. And they are all so fucking happy that he's dead. And they want to, like, they immediately all run to their fucking cars because they want to see him strung up before he gets cut down. I'm like, okay, listen. Like, no, first of all, my notes say, LOL, this is really great how it's being spoofed while, like, it's still going in real time. Like, whatever mm-hmm. happens in Halloween is happening, like, in right, real yeah. time with the characters. But then also I said, who called to tell them about the principal dying? Like, who is, like... Ooh, I got some tea about our school. Like, what the fuck? And then, why do they want to go see? Like, y'all want to go see a dead body? (laughs) Basically, it's kind of sick how, like, elated. They're, like, elated. They are joyous 
They treated it like somebody TP'd someone's house. Like, no, nigga, somebody is dead. Your principal is dead. You guys want to go find the body? Like, and the, it's not like the body's just going to be so fresh out there. If, if somebody else knows about it, I'm sure the cops know about it, and it's a crime scene now, bro. Like, you're not going, they're not going to let you in. No, but it's strung up, though, so they might have a good view. I, th- I just think that it's sick that they want to see him strung up just because he was an asshole to them in the office. Like, he did kind of threaten them with scissors, but this is a little sick. But, you know, I feel like all the drama in this movie gets turned up to a 10 yeah. or 12. Like, it's all supposed to be over the top and ridiculous. So it fits in the overall theme of these people being stupid and ridiculous. So True. We also get another terrible sound editing cue as they all, like, peel out as they drive peel yeah peel out and drive down they're like and it, it doesn't driving. sound diagetic like, at all drunk driving <laughs> like a motherfucker with the cop's car the cop car right there they're literally parked right in front of the house and they all stumbling out the house getting in the car yeah they almost run down dewey and gail they like they have their fucking lights on and are going like are how dumb are these people or are they that vicious again like people in this town are just Everyone's asking to die. Why didn't those teens die? I wanted to see those guys die. <laughs> oh no, probably did from the drunk driving. <laughs> they may have. But yeah, so the cop car or like the the kids almost hit Dewey and uh, Gail, and they this is where we get their uh, David Arquette and Courtney's real life uh, chemistry yeah. on screen. Yeah. Yeah, they roll off the road, and Dewey lands on top of her, and Gail kisses him. I'm like, I like that the woman took the initiative. <laughs> but he was, like, on that's, her. Again, the, it was so annoying. That's true. The 90s feminism, though. That's mm-hmm. that's the 90s level of feminism. The girl's gonna kiss the guy. That was feminism in the 90s. And then, uh, well, she's trying to take a little further, and he's like, I'm on duty. Like, a goofy nigga. Like, why would you say that, nigga? What? <laughs> You need to be on duty with this ass. Like, come and get it. And she's, like, trying to give it to you, and you're not taking it. Ugh. I'm like, yeah, you're David Arquette. Like, you're not going to get this chance a lot. Ever. <laughs> Dewey is not getting this chance a lot in life. Take it now. But, yeah, thank God they find Sydney's dad's car, so we can just get past that weird romance. And, uh, yeah, we got action. Because that nigga's mm-hmm. not nowhere to be found. So, we're back to Sid and Billy after they had sex. And she, like, asks him who he called for his one phone call in jail. And he says he called his dad. And then she's all suspicious and says that, no, I saw the sheriff call your dad. And he was like, when I called, I didn't get an answer. So, like, are they trying to make us feel for him? Because I don't care. Right. But Sid then implies that it would be clever if Billy used the one call to call her to, like, throw her off Mm -hmm. of, you know, the trail and not think he was the killer. And then Ghostface comes in and, in quotations, stabs Billy. (laughs) Um, His acting in this scene, holy shit. Like, they're on opposite sides of the bed at this point, and he's reaching out to her, and he's like, Sid, Sid. Oh my god. My god. I don't, I think he's worse here than in the craft. So bad. Especially because Nev Campbell and Matthew Lillard, who he shares the most scenes with, maybe have the two best performances in the movie. So he's always acting alongside people who are much better. Yeah. And it really stands out here. Yeah. That's why he has to rely so much on his, like, like his faces, I guess. Because his actual acting Mm -hmm. is horrible. 
So this is where I wrote that Sydney is a door blocking expert <laughs> because Ghostface chases her through this beautiful maze of a fucking second floor of this house. And she gets into like the attic or something and she just like throws a surfboard down in a way like it doesn't even really look like it's wedged between much. But somehow it's enough that Ghostface can't, that he can't get in right away. Yeah. And she's like trying to crawl out the fucking window and he like grabs her and throws her out the window, but she lands on like a covered boat that's there and she rolls off that shit. And this is where she finally sees Tatum. I'm like, okay, someone's got fucking eyes. <laughs> I like sometimes I watch this movie and cause you could see Tatum hanging there as she falls. And I, I'm just like, Oh my God, is she, is she going to miss it? Because everyone else missed it. Mm-hmm. Then we get to, we cut to the house, and I love this little music sting. This is a clever one. They have so many bad music stings in this movie, but now they're using the music in Halloween to their advantage because, you know, the in Halloween goes as Michael appears behind Jamie Lee Curtis while, J- while Randy is sitting there like, behind you, Jamie, behind you. But as that sting happens, we see Ghostface approaching behind Randy. I'm like, that was clever. That was a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did like the yeah the Jamie on Jamie call the call out. Mm-hmm. That was fun because yeah, I think those little Easter eggs is what um, the people who know this is kind of a parody of a parody situation. Like mm-hmm. that's the little stuff that we live for. Yeah. So then we see Sid. Ru- yeah, Sid runs to the news van, and on the little monitor, Kenny the whatever. The cameraman sees that they think Randy's about to get killed because they see Ghostface creeping up on him. But then Kenny remind remembers that it's a thirty second delay, so he like like oh shit! So he runs outside, sees that the front door is open, and Ghostface just comes right up and slits his fucking throat, and he just like blubbers all over fucking Sydney, and then Ghostface just throws him to the fucking ground and stabs Sydney. She, like, gets out of the fucking truck and starts running. Then Dewey enters the house, and Gail goes to the van and can't find Kenny. <laughs> and then she looks down, and I love the shot of her, like, bright shoe. She has, like, these bright red shoes, and mm-hmm. she's standing in all this fucking blood. It, it's a cool shot with her tacky-ass, like, so much, col- so much color. And Randy, or no, Gail gets in the, the van, and Randy pops up because, I don't know, he's fucking confused and shit and she just fucking takes the cell phone or the like the car phone and whacks him in the face with it and just starts driving away and as she or as she's starting to drive away she sees like blood Blood all over down the windshield yeah like blood's dripping down so she turns on the windshield wipers and i just love this shot like i don't know how she can't tell what it is (laughs) it's so obvious so you know whatever she's dying and you don't know what's dripping down bitch what the fuck right (laughs) <laughs> no, you were just standing at a pool of blood and she's like what what is that as she's like scrubbing it from the inside i'm like oh come on gail but she seems very rattled throughout this whole movie throughout this whole part so she like slams on her brakes eventually and his body like slides down the windshield and she's st- she's like i'm sorry kenny i'm sorry but get off my fucking windshield and you could clearly see in the van that she is not talking like again they just pick like did they not tell her to move her mouth in the van? Or maybe they just added that line in post because they thought it was funny. And it was funny, but there was nothing to match it to. Yeah. So, but then again, like, Sydney's in the middle of the fucking road trying to wave Gail down. And Gail, like, 
overcorrects like a motherfucker yeah. and goes flying into a tree. And I'm like, she okay, crashes. you need to calm down, gal. <laughs> but <laughs> she needed to calm the fuck down. But nope, she crashed into a tree and she's knocked the fuck out. Yeah, my notes say crashes van, but she all right. Sydney is a mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sydney was like waving, like she was not being subtle about it. I mean, you know, it's high stress, but. Gail, like, my God, like, she's just, like, hitting people with phones, like, driving like a crazy person. Ugh. Unhinged. Truly. So, Sydney walks up to the house, and you see fucking Dewey walking out, and he falls, and he got a knife in his back, and I'm like, oh. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, finally. <laughs> my notes say, everyone stab! Yeah. So, she goes in the fucking squad car. Great place to hide. Um... This she is doesn't like have Jack the keys. Frost. I know. <laughs> yeah. Hiding in the car. Yeah. So he basically, the killer gets in through the, the back door because he has the keys and he's just like fucking with her for a little bit. But then he gets in there. She, I think she gets to radio 911, but then he fucking grabs her immediately and she gets out. And as she like gets to the house, fucking Randy and Stu both show up and they're both like calling each other the murderer. And she's all like, Fuck the both of you. Yeah. <laughs> and slams the door in their faces. Um, this is where we get more terrible Skeet Ulrich acting. <laughs> because the end of this, the last like 30 minutes or 20 minutes of the movie is just like, uh, here we go. Yeah, it's a lot of him. Like it works because the movie is so corny and over the top. But if you took this performance and put it in a more straightforward horror movie, oh, Lord. It wouldn't work. It only works here because I love the film. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> we, make, we make excuses for the things we love sometimes. True. But, yeah, he walks out because Sydney locks the other two fuckers outside. Yeah, because I was like, the way I would have shot both of them niggas, like, you not, uh-uh. Everybody's <laughs> guilty. Move. <laughs> <laughs> And they're both a little weird anyway. So, you know, I wouldn't... At, at that point, I wouldn't have trusted them. Two goofy white boys and, and everybody getting stabbed up. So y'all just... I'm sorry. Y'all can figure it out. Y'all duke it out outside with these bullet holes in your ass. Like... Because <laughs> I'm not wasting time. Fuck that. But no, of course not. She's stupid. And she sees Billy's ass stumbling down the stairs after she locks them out. As she runs over to him as he's, like, at the bottom of the stairs, he's laughing. Like... He, Skeet Ulrich can't even, like, Ulrich, Ulrich, whatever, the, who cares? Ulrich. His name is Skeet. Skeet, Skeet, Skeet. Oh, no, now I'm just thinking of Skeet, 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 mother. God damn it. <laughs> now I'm thinking of Yang Yang twins. Yeah, who gives a fuck what his last name is? His first name is Skeet, and that's just sad enough. And it's not like Skeeter and cool, because Skeeter was black on Doug. This nigga is just a greasy <laughs> white boy who is sinister and weird and not a good actor. This is his, like Rose McGowan, he is playing himself, okay? <laughs> yeah. Um, he, he opens the door, he lets Randy in, immediately shoots Randy after saying, we all go a little mad sometimes. Stupid. He references that he referenced Psycho. Anthony Perkins. Yeah, yeah, Anthony Perkins, Psycho. Like, duh, we know. But, I guess some people don't know, but whatever, sorry. You should know. Watch Psycho. And then he references Carrie as well. Oh, right. Because he's, yeah. He's like, pig's blood, just like they use in Carrie. 
or corn syrup, just like they use for pig's blood and carry. <laughs> they just use pig's blood and scream for the fucking. It might be cheaper. I wouldn't doubt it. Shit. Because, like, this is cheaper to use human remains than fake them, so. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, you can get that shit for free. Yeah, no, yeah. you can. But, yeah, so they, like, after he's making all these terrible movie references and shit, he's already shot Radiant, and I don't know where Stu pops up. And. Like, oh, my notes also say when he's making all these bad movie references, I was like, this is like Jack Frost when they was trying to use those puns last minute. They're <laughs> <laughs> just trying to get them all yeah, in. Yeah, just get them all in. But, um. Yeah, we got 20 minutes left in the movie. We gotta, gotta pepper a few more in. Yeah, but then this, is, we get just like full white boy rage. This is the precursor to Columbine because this is like <laughs> these two white boys just fully unhinged, fully psychotic. And kind of homo. I was like, I want them to kiss. Because Stu's got his arm around Billy's neck. And he's like hanging on. Yeah, his face is right next to Billy's face. Like he's peering over his shoulder. And it's very gay. Yeah, the whole time I was smiling. I was like, please kiss. (laughs) Like, (laughs) that would be hot. Like a Matthew Lillard and Ski Orch moment. Just start rubbing them shoulders. You just see his arm. Give him a reach around. Just like stab... Just stab the shit out of Sydney and then just, oh, I love you, baby. <laughs> like, like a, like a cute couple. I know the depiction of it in Scary Movie definitely is homophobic, but if they were they off and doing that? Not really. Well, <laughs> like it was because Ray gay. was very this in touch so with gay. himself. And um, what's his face? What was his name? Was his name Billy in Scary Movie too? No, it was it's... something else. Bobby. Bobby. <laughs> He, um, he was trying to deny Ray. So I felt like there was some tension between them, just like there was some tension between fucking Billy and Stu. Oh, yeah. I mean, there was a lot more tension in Scary Movie. Yeah, no, they were fucking. That was in the forefront. Yeah, they were fucking. (laughs) We don't know about these two. But anyways, um, yeah, so it probably comes out that Billy killed Sydney's mom. And he said, your mother was no Sharon Stone. That's what Stu said. Yeah, well, because Billy's like, that woman was a slut bag whore who flashed her shit all over town like she was Sharon Stone or something. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oof, oof, cut deep. And and then yeah, Stu's like, like, your yeah. mom's no Sharon Stone. It's like, well, who the fuck is Sharon Stone? Okay, fuck y'all. She ain't no spring chicken. Well, I guess maybe in 96 she might have been something to somebody, but not me. I mean, I was like five, but still. Um. So anyways... Uh, we finds out that Billy did it because he thinks that Sydney's mom is the reason why his mom left because Sydney's mom was hooking up with his dad and, uh, he didn't like that shit and he wanted that bitch out of there because he has mommy issues and only one of us can have mommy issues or if I'm going to have mommy issues, you're going to have a dead mm-hmm. one. Okay. Mm-hmm. More salt in the wound. Yeah. That's why he was telling her to get over it. And in trying mm-hmm. to compare their situations, and it was like, oh, first of all, so that's like like double fucked up. First of all, you tell me to get over my dead mama. Then it turns out you want me to get over my dead mama because you killed her and you don't really give a fuck and you're over it because you lost your mama because you think my mama has something to do with it. Nigga, I'll kill everybody in this motherfucker. Like, how about talk that? about dramatic? Like Billy is a fucking drama queen. You need like, therapy. You, you're gonna kill someone because. Your dad was also a hoe? Okay. Why is Sid's mom only the hoe? 
Your daddy was a hoe too. Why is the mom only being held accountable? It takes two adults to tango, you bitch ass nigga. No, this movie never drags Billy's daddy. Either. Never, never, never. So yeah, then city city spirals because she's like, holy shit, I'm finding out way too much, way too soon, and yes. this is when we have the stab off. Well, first Stu goes to get her daddy. He oh, yeah, basically tells him that he has a surprise. Yeah. He says that he has a surprise for her. And he's like, it's a scream, baby. And I'm like, oh, there's the title. We get it. It's a scream. Oh, yeah. But that's also where he gets scary movie. But wait, this one. <laughs> <laughs> fucking spit flying everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to watch scary movie tonight. Every time I watch either scream or I know you do last summer, I always mm-hmm. have to watch scary movie. Yeah. It's so much funnier now. So they like show, I don't know, Stu puts a fucking fake cell phone or a play, a cloned cell phone. Did they say cloned? I think so. Is that a different screen movie where they say that? I don't know, but it's just like a dummy phone, like a burner. Yeah, they put the phone in, in his pocket and they basically tell her that they're going to frame him for the murders and are like, he snapped because the one year anniversary of his slut wife's death. <laughs> And this is where I just, this is where we get stabby gay fun times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because this is phallic as fuck. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because, like, they're they're stabbing each other, and they're clearly getting off on it, but obviously they're in pain. I'm like, tell me that is not a fucking analogy for their first time having anal. Because it is. Mm-hmm. It's pleasurable, but the fir- every stab of that dick is ouch. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, like, this is gay as all fucking hell. Mm-hmm. And they're definitely, like... There's a power play, too. Like, you could tell that they're taking power from the other one each time they stab them. Like, they like taking the other one down a notch. My notes say peak white boy just stabbing each other. Also gay. They should kiss. <laughs> they're, yeah. They're having a gorgasm. Uh-huh. uh-huh. I love a that. Sta- yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then, like, Billy, like, gets a little crazy and starts stabbing Stu um, a lot. And he's like, cut it, I feel a little woozy here. Which just, at this point, Matthew Lillard's acting is to a 15, and I love it. Mm-hmm. Everything is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. He's really selling the psychosis. It's great. Um, Billy has him go look for the gun. He can't find it. He's panicking. At this point, Stu is getting really pathetic, and you almost start feeling bad for him because he's so sad. Yeah, because he's, like, losing it, dude. He's fucking about to die, it mm-hmm. seems like. Yeah, he's bleeding the fuck out. He got stabbed quite a bit. But then Gail shows up thinking she's hot shit because she snatched the gun. But she's shaky with it. Yeah, she's shaky. She's She looks angry, but not confident. And Stu looks at her and is like, or one of them says to the other one, like, I thought you said she looked dead. and Or I thought she was dead. And he's like, she looked dead, still does. I'm like, ouch. Uh-huh. Ouch, Gail. And Gail gives some bullshit speech about, like, her saving the day and killing them, but she didn't take the fucking safety off the gun. So she fires it. Nothing fucking happens. Billy kicks her her out the doorway to the fucking pole. Yeah. And then she's knocked the fuck out and they're about to pop her. And Sid or Stu realizes that Sydney's gone. So Gail is spared. Wow. Yeah. Then the phone rings though. And it's clearly it's Sid. (laughs) Well, it is Sid, Uh but before Stu answers, he's like, should I let the machine get it? <laughs> he is, he is like just regressing uh-huh. in, in front of us right now. It's like great. he is saying dumb shit. <laughs> should really I let the good. machine get it? Yeah. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. The screenplay is great. It's, it's 
the dialogue in this movie, a lot of it's really on the nose, but it's fun and it all works together because it's so fucking stupid. That's why it's so campy and silly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Sid tells him that she called the cops and he's like bleeding out at this point and talking to her and Billy like grabs the phone and yells at her and he slams it on Stu's head. He's like, you fucking hit me with the phone, dude. <laughs> and he's just like crying to Sydney because she's like gets on the phone. He's like, did you really call the cops? Please, you can't call the cops. Yeah. My mom and dad are going to be so bad. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cute. It's so pathetic that it's cute. Mm-hmm. Like, you're all, like, oh, what a... Because he's a little boy at this point. He, like, literally, like you said, regresses from, like, uh, this scary man to this little fucking scared boy who's bleeding out and about to die. It's kind of, you were, it's like, I mean, I know they weren't thinking this in 1996, but by today, it's like watching toxic masculinity break down right in front of us. Like, uh-huh. all this, like, misguided fucking rage. He just got talked into this by his friend. His mom, his da- his mama didn't leave his daddy because it's Sydney's mom. Like, he's just in for the ride because he's an impressionable idiot. Uh-huh. And it's that side of toxic masculinity where you just, like, go with what another man says because men are right, women are sluts. He thought he was a bad motherfucker, and then now he's dying and he's a little baby. Mm-hmm. Just like that. Yeah, so Billy is now looking around because he's freaking the fuck out because he got outsmarted by a woman. And Sid jumps out of the closet. Why is she dressed as Ghostface? For this, like, one second, she just pops the costume on, stabs him with an umbrella twice in the chest, and then immediately takes it off. <laughs> she just had to get her kicks. I'm like, is Sydney getting a little sick, too? <laughs> it's like drag. It's like if a drag queen leaves their wig somewhere and you walk past it, you're going to want to put it on, you know? So you see the scream mask, you know, everybody else is a little crazy in it, and you're like, well, I want to have some fun. And so everyone's just, I gotta see what this shit's yeah, about. Yeah, everyone's just slipping mm. it on just to see. Just to see. It's like okay. Shorty from uh, The Love Witch when she went into What's-Her-Face's apartment and then just started trying all her shit on. <laughs> mm. You know? Yeah. yeah, no. So Sydney just wanted to be a part, you know? <laughs> so Billy's now fucking writhing on the floor after getting stabbed with the umbrella and Stu just fucking flies out of nowhere. He's actually scary here. Like, the way he runs at her, it's actually pretty creepy. It's, yeah. It, he is uh, crazed, and he, like, tackles her, and they fucking roll around and shit. I feel like she bites him at one point and just drops that another 120-pound TV on his face. Oh, yeah. And uh, he gets electrocuted and fried to death. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So then Billy wakes up, obviously, or gets up. I don't know. Was he sleeping? Was he knocked out from getting stabbed? I don't yeah, I think he just, like, kind of passed out or some shit. Okay, the shock, we'll go with that. Yeah. Uh, he starts to strangle Sydney, um, then, but then Gail pops in and has her line, I guess I remember the safety this time, you bastard, or yeah. whatever the fuck she says, and she shoots him, and mm-hmm. I'm like, yay! No more terrible acting. <sighs> but he does, ha- he does have a bit of, like, a pretty bad wiggle down on the floor there as he oh, dies. Yeah. He died slow-ish. And I was like, ugh, he's just milking it. But then Randy's up, everyone's like come together and he's like, careful, this is the moment where the supposedly dead killer comes back to life for one last scare. And of course, just like, I don't know, was this, I don't know if this is bad direction or just if it's Skeet Ulrich, his choice, I have no idea. But he doesn't even, he's just like, bah. (laughs) (laughs) That's what he says too. He's like, (laughs) and then immediately Sydney shoots him in the face. Not in this movie. Yeah, not in my movie. 
I mean, it, clearly it was just a fucking joke. Like, yeah, they were course. just, they were getting us with that. It was just one last cheesy-ass fucking joke. Like, we're, we've been tiptoeing around the meta-ness, and now we're just gonna shove it right, right in, in the fucking face. face. Yeah. he's just gonna, yeah. just go, bah! I'm like, okay. Yeah. Okay, guys. It's just because it's Skeet Ulrich. Yeah, <laughs> and they're like, the movie's over, we could get, we could get a little crazy now. Yeah. Then the dad just, like, fucking flies out of the closet door. I'm like, okay, shit. Mm-hmm. It's scaring everyone half to death. I'm like, we've all been through enough, sir. Like, I'm ge- I- Announce yourself! I know you have tape over your belt, <laughs> but you need to tap out louder or something. Like, <laughs> like I'm coming out. <laughs> <laughs> like, Jesus. And everyone just survived these two killers. Now they're going to die from a fucking heart attack because of your crazy ass. Right. But no. And then the movie just ends on Gale. Oh, yeah. So I guess they have a replacement cameraman. I guess someone knows that Kenny's <laughs> dead. Because someone just shows already. up with a mic. She's like, a backup team on call. They replaced his ass real fucking quick. Overnight. No respect like, at it's all It's only been him. a couple of hours. <laughs> yeah, literally. I, he died maybe 12 hours ago. Well, not even. No. It's like six. It's sunrise. So he's been dead a couple hours. Yeah, that's it. She's just given a fucking... Given a news report as like some fucking... Oh, yeah. bullshit 90s She's music like, play. It's like the plot of some scary movie. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like zooming out. That's exactly what she says. And I thought it was so funny because it's like she's finally reporting on like you know, the murder or whatever and it is a scary movie. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Ugh. Meta. Still in that, that bright ass fucking suit. <laughs> she was very loud. She went, like she walked into a Chico's or Contempo <laughs> Casuals and uh, walked to the loudest... I think more like the limited or like, uh, uh, what's the, the Ann Taylor loft. Okay. I can see that. Too. I always want to say fashion bug. No, cachet. But was fashion bug only plus size? Oh yeah. Cachet for sure. Cachet. That was like clothes, clothes for like old bitches. Like <laughs> <laughs> the real housewife club, club clothes. Like <laughs> back then women, like Gail, uh, Courtney Cox is 31 years old in this movie, but she is styled like she's 47. No, because earlier Dewey in the movie says that he's 25. And I said, 25, this nigga is aging like milk. He is fucking (laughs) looking old. Well, David Arquette actually was that. I think he was 24 in this movie. He He looks younger, I think. He looks so fucking old for 25. But you know what? I was looking at some shit, um, I think it was, like, pictures of, like, Marvin Gaye and Teddy Pendergrass and shit, you know, like, niggas mm-hmm. in the 50s look like they was 73 when they were really, like, 22. <laughs> like, No, Jesus yeah, that's what I was getting Christ. at. Everybody, like, people, people didn't, one, take care of their skin in the same way that we do now, I think. Also, now, I think our perceptions are, have been changed due to Botox and stuff. And just back then, I think people styled themselves in a way that to our eye just makes them look older. Oh. Because Courtney Cox does not look 31 years old here. Like, she has the skin of a 31-year-old, but the hair they give her, the, the outfits they put her in. Yeah, she looks in her late 40s yeah, or mid-40s, just based on the styling. Yeah, it's so, terrible. It's like auntie, like, Jesus Christ, lady. It's like she shopped at the, she got the nicest suit ever sold at Sears. Yeah. Like that's what it looks like. From the softer side of Sears. She went right to the catalog. She was circling for later, too. <laughs> she was like, I don't come yeah, back. In three years, these. she would have been shopping at Caldor. Yeah, I'm going to put these on layaway. Spiegel's. 
<laughs> I'm going down to the Lomans. Give me a nice power suit for TV. Mm-hmm. Put these on layaway. <laughs> if it's not the color of a blinding fruit, I do not want it. I don't it. want it. Don't I even show it to me. Told you, citrus couture, key to bananas finest. God. Yeah. But yeah, that was Scream, dude. Like, I uh, I do like the Scream franchise a lot. I stopped after three. I think I just watched one, two, and three. Okay. I You know what? When the fourth one came out, I originally liked it. And then after a few rewatches, I'm like, Ugh. it pushes the meta aspect in a way that I found annoying. Like, it was, you know, in the first one, it wasn't aware of its charms yet. Like, it didn't have the legacy... It didn't know. Like, the first one, they didn't know what was going to hit or not. And I felt like it just was more organic. Even though they were being meta, it, they didn't know what the audience's reaction was going to be yet. And you can tell that by the fourth one, everything was so influenced by what happened. Like, I think it came out in 2011, so it was just so time-stamped in 2011 or 10 in a yeah. way that doesn't work. Like, this movie is still timeless, even though it's very 90s and there's landlines and cell phones are weird. It has a timeless feel that the other one that Scream 4 does not have to me. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I just don't think I remember the fourth one, so I might have seen it, but I just, I think I just stopped caring after that. It's like Final Destination, you know? Like, because I did like the charm of the first two or three, and after mm. a while I could see it was just doing too much. And then we got that weird spinoff series with MTV, and I never got into that. And, oh, yeah. And then it just started, it's kind of, it's kind of like the... The child's play effect, where just people get their hands on it and start giving it all kinds of remixes and twists and turns. I'm like, ooh, just can't do that with you guys. Yeah, and honestly, I just feel like a lot, like Scream Queens and Scream, and even the new I Know You Did Last Summer show that I heard is not very good. Like, all of this stuff coming out, even though it's obviously not directly related, not directly related to Scream that's about to come out, but it's like lessening my anticipation, because all of these things just seem not great i think it's just like a reintroduction Uh, to the newer generation to get into it but it's like they could just watch the ogs like you know that's mm -hmm. what i did when my mom would talk or like my people older than me would talk about movies from their day and tell me how great such and such was like there wasn't reboots so i had to go back and watch like the og of it you know that my point at that point there was only like bad sequels you know like but we've become as a society obsessed with nostalgia Mm -hmm. and like nostalgia can be great. It's nice to reminisce on your childhood and you know, your early adulthood, you know, depending on how old you are. But at a certain point, like it gets too much. Like we don't need remakes of remakes. Like we don't need like freaking Spider-Man. We're on the third Spider-Man now, like the third guy as Spider-Man. Like, I know people seem to, like, it's just too much. I started watching the, all the Batmans, well, mostly the Tim Burton Batmans, because those are the gay ones, mm-hmm. and um, I started thinking about, like, how many Batman movies there are, how many bad Batman movies there are, and, like, how yeah. it's just so much to keep up with, and how many, like, iterations of it, and so many interpretations, like, Batman's had, like, like so many different directors on it. There's been Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. What's uh what's that one dude who made it bad? Joel Schumacher. Yeah, yeah. And then Tim Burton and like Jesus Christ, when everyone starts to get their hands on it, it's like it the story takes on a different meaning. And sometimes that could be cool and then sometimes mm-hmm. it could be really fucking bad. And now you have those new DC like 
universe ones, with, you know, Batman versus Superman and shit, or Dawn of. Uh huh. You're right. Oh, fuck it. You're right. I don't give a shit. I don't. I don't. The know. birds of prey and the Joker stuff, and I was like, okay, guys, I'm tired. <laughs> like I, we get it. I know. I'm just like I. I get over the same characters after so long. I don't know why people want to see these same motherfuckers just do the same shit in a different way over and over again. And that's said for but, anything. Right, that's your thing, you know, like anything. So for me, that's why, like this new scream coming out, like my anticipation is for sure dulled because I'm like. Yeah, I think I'm just gonna give it time. I'm not gonna get like go see it in theaters or nothing. I'm not risking. A ter- I hate going to the movies, regardless of COVID, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, like, I during pandemic, I've always hated going to the movie theater. Um, it's just, like, disgusting to me, and I'm a huge germaphobe, and I don't want to touch. It's just sensory overload. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah. I love the movie theater, though. I love going by myself. Yeah, I used to go to the movies by myself all the time, and then I just slowly developed this, like, anxiety towards it, because I just got so hyper-aware of germs, and I... And again, mm-hmm. like for my anxiety, it's just like sensory overload. But um, I will probably wait a couple of years after it's released. Like when I'm home alone, stoned, I'm like, eh, I guess I'll just check this out just to see what it's about. I'll see it as soon as it's free. Yeah. I'm not risking COVID for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I'm not in a rush to go watch this. So, mm-hmm. nah. but stop doing reboots. Yeah. We are running extremely long. <laughs> I know. I looked at the thing just now. That's why I was like, we should wrap up soon. Yeah. Um, we are running a real fucking long. I think we're over two hours and 40 minutes. So we're going to just answer listener questions next time. Next time. Next time. We'll keep it short and sweet. I mean, there's going to be more episodes like this. So I'll tell you guys right now when we finally get to The Shining, it's going to be a long one. Oh, yeah, for sure. I'm sure like the next one is gonna be a long one. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> just any major like big movie that we do it's gonna be a long one because there's a history especially if it's in a franchise because i don't know yet if we're gonna cover every movie in each franchise like especially if they're big mm-hmm. franchises so we're kind of want to like squeeze like the scream movie i'm sorry i don't want to watch scream 4 for this damn podcast maybe if it's like a slow week <laughs> but like yeah i would love to do two and three at some point for sure anyway oh we've never done this before we're for lucky number episode 13 we're going to be doing friday the 13th 1980 not fucking 2009 with willa ford in it oh my god (laughs) 1980 so if you want to watch that Please do. Yeah, you can watch We're gonna get the fuck out of here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So watch Friday the 13th and uh, stay scared and stay high, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Queer Horror High. (laughs) Damn, that shit's